Welcome guys to the Trying Podcast. My name is Nanini and on this podcast I'll be sharing with you the steps that I'll be taking to try and get over my fears and get out of my comfort zone. Hi, it's Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. Today's episode is Frontline. Frontline, I think I mentioned it in one of my previous episodes as a title that I was looking into. And it's the 19th episode of season 7, meaning it's the second last episode of the season 7. Because the seasons that I usually record have 20 episodes. So I'm one episode away, okay, two episodes today and next week's episode to closing out season seven. <laughs> Literally, I just remember like starting the, the, the season just juicy. Like to me, it's like the other day when I recorded the first episode. But we thank God, honestly, honestly, because um, <laughs> I can't. I can't lie and say I'm always excited to record. You know, I can't say I'm always excited because it does get tiring talking. Me, you know, me. Like I get tired speaking. But the learning part is what excites me. You know, so anyway, so I'm excited. But I do have notes today. I'm excited, but I feel like today's episode, I still don't know. Like I have notes, but I still don't know the like the meat. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. Like I, it's like, I think I usually say like it will take them and like it will be a short episode today. And then I end up recording like two hours long. <laughs> For somebody who doesn't like speaking. But I honestly do feel like today's episode will be a short one. Not unless not unless something hits me and I'm like, oh, I think I can start studying it. Start studying this thing that has come to mind. But so far, I just have um, a few characters that I want to study. David the kings not all the kings but in general like kings and then but specifically david and then jesus and deborah actually i haven't confirmed let me actually google if her name was deborah the judge deborah oh barak and deborah yes because i had forgotten barak let me write barak i wrote the general Instead of Barak, so okay, yes, she's the boy. So she came to mind. Um, and I'm not just saying, and Moses, and Moses. So when I say she came to mind, uh, it's just like a note I have. Although in her case, it's something that I still don't understand. Again, this is a disclaimer that I tend to make in most of my episodes. I come into these studies as a student, I am the learner. And I believe what Jesus told us, that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He tells the church to listen 
to the Holy Spirit. Those who have ears, ears, let them hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. So I do believe that um, during these studies, I am learning, right? I'm not here to teach. I am learning. It's just that I'm sharing my studies. That's why sometimes when I say like, I don't, I have some notes, but it's, I don't have like a chunk, like the meat of the, the study. I just don't feel like I'm learning something new. You know what I mean? That's what I, I mean when I say like it, during this, like the, the notes that I have, I don't feel like they're weighty enough. But who knows? I come into these things 99.9% of the time thinking that I understand my notes and then I get this whole other side of knowledge and understanding so after the study so I pray that this is the same today because I just don't want to study for the sake of studying I honestly want to learn something you know and I think back and like oh the episode that I titled let me think back to an episode um, under the sun I know what I learned from there like I know the like the 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 light bulb and it happened at the end like I, if I can just mention like that under the sun episode I was like okay I mean I'm seeing this I'm studying this but what am I supposed to get from this I don't understand why is this so gloomy blah 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 and then eventually it hit me <gasps> there's hope Jesus I, you see so I like to think I um, I like it when I think back when I look back and think back at the episodes that I recorded and try to think, okay, what did, I, what did I learn? Like, what can I actually remember now during that episode that I, I took out from, the, like I understood from that episode, from the study, you know? Um, and to be honest, sometimes I am also very surprised when I listen back to my episodes because I've forgotten uh, a lot of the things I've studied. In, um, in the episodes that are like, like, um, what do you call them? like a part one and then I continue the next episode like a part two like what I have been doing in season seven kind of some of the episodes are like a continuation I don't tend to forget mostly what I've studied in the previous episodes but they're like quote-unquote one-offs me episodes sometimes I forget so when I listen back I'm like oh yeah okay yeah that's true I have forgotten but yeah that's that's why that's why and then I have those two hint to like light bulb moments like oh that's why in this study I mentioned this because in this study this is where I got it from ah okay nice so going into this front line um I have like the bullet points and I had a question. I have like two questions that I've been asking myself. Like I, I usually, I'm the type of, okay, I think by now, from my previous episodes, it's clear that I have questions. <laughs> I love asking questions. I didn't used to because I felt like I'm, I was like a menace. Like how many questions do you have? Like don't you ever understand? But I believe God told me, no, you're my child. I am your teacher. So ask away, right? God doesn't expect me to know everything because if I did, I would be God. So I'm okay asking questions. 
And so I write these things down. If I don't record the question, I write it down. So I found myself doing this week having to like, um, what do you call them? To curious moments. Something comes to mind and I'm like, huh, does that, is, is there anything that connects these two narratives in the Bible? And I write that down. Anyway, my point is I have two questions. Should I read both questions? Uh, let me read both questions because I think it's good for, you know, it, uh, it, uh, it, it gets people thinking. It gets me thinking when I, when I listen back to these episodes if I haven't studied this. So the first question that I won't be studying today, and I think today, together with the Frontline episode, I'll study the second question. I think there's something connected with these two episodes, with these two studies. The first question that I will not be studying today, that I have been asking myself during this week, I wrote down, is there any connection stroke similarity between these two narratives in the Bible? The first narrative. God telling the Israelites to come up the mountain when they hear the trumpets and the thunder and they see the smoke, all that. That's what I've written. This is the point where God told the Israelites to come up the mountain and then they were like, no, Moses should go. That class situation there. Is there any similarity between this first narrative, God telling the Israelites to come up the mountain when they hear, like that's the underlying thing, they hear the trumpets, thunder, and they see the smoke. So is there, is there a similarity between that and this other narrative? King Neb, King Nebuchadnezzar. So, um, King Neb telling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down to the image when they hear the lyre, the, tri- the trumpets, and those, those musical instruments. I haven't <laughs> written all the musical instruments. So, is there a connection there? Maybe, maybe not. But I found that interesting. Like, it came to mind, and I was like, huh, you know? King Neb is acting like his own god. He builds an image and orders people to bow down to that image on his command, at his command. But then they're supposed to bow down after these musical instruments are played. Am I wrong? Do I remember that correctly? Ah, Daniel. I'm just going to skim through that part. Where is Daniel? Daniel chapter what? Four, maybe? Uh, Belshazzar, Daniel serves Darius. Vision of the four beasts. Oh, let me go to NIV. Daniel's training. Okay, when did this happen? Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Okay, yeah. Daniel chapter three. So let me scroll down to when he talks to Shadrach and Abed. So Daniel chapter 3 verse verse 13, right? Okay, verse 12. Okay, verse (laughs) 9. Daniel chapter 3 verse 9. They, the, um, the snitches, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, King Neb, May the king live forever. Your majesty your majesty has issued a decree that 
everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Verse 13, furious with rage, Neb summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Neb, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear, now this is the order now, he's telling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed, now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are, re- if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And famously, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed say, they replied to him saying, King Neb, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Okay, and famously they were thrown into the fire. So that's the first part, Sindhya. And then the other part, let me see if I can Google and find it. What will I Google? Mount Sinai, Exodus, Thunder, Smoke, Bible. <laughs> Am I reaching? Exodus 19 verse 2. Oh, I think it's Exodus 30. I think it has come to mind. It's Exodus 30, but let me open Exodus 19 and see. Maybe I'm wrong. Verse what? Verse 16. Exodus 19 verse 16. Oh, I might be wrong. What is Exodus 30? I'm curious. Exodus 30 verse 1. Oh, okay. No, it's Exodus 19. So the Google search actually was correct. So in Exodus 19, this is at the mountain of Sinai, Mount Sinai. Okay, let me scroll and see what God tells Moses to tell the Israelites to come up. Descended. Moses went up. Go down on the foot of us, even the priests. Moses said the people cannot. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up the mountain because of, because you yourself wander, put limits. Okay. Oh. Is it the opposite? I remember God telling the Israelites to come up the mountain, but Moses, but I'm seeing where God is saying they should not come close to the mountain because they will be zapped. 
Okay. When did God tell the Israel? Let me Google. When did God tell the Israelites to come up the mountain to ascend? Come up the mountain. Exodus 19, verse 3 to 4. Kwani ni skip through it. Exodus 19, verse 3 to 4. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, wings and brought you to myself. <clears throat> now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words you are to speak to the israelites wait hold on the lord called to him in the mountain that's what to say wait did what did the lord tell moses did he am i imagining things am i honestly imagining or God, okay, Exodus 24, Exodus 24, I'm seeing something. The covenant confirmed, yeah, after the marriage, right? Is it before the marriage? Because the covenant, it's like, you know, it's a marriage contract between God and the people of Israel. What was I seeing? 24 verse 12. Because I don't think I imagined things. Oh, okay. God told Moses. Let me pause actually and see if I can find it. I found it. But it's 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 Exodus 20. This is the part where I remember. But in Exodus 19, let me go back to Exodus, Exodus 19. God is the one who comes down to meet the people. I love that. I mean, we do see God tell Moses to come up, to ascend. But the fact that God is the one who comes down, he descends, he comes down to meet the people, but the people are afraid to meet God. So they tell Moses to like, to speak on their behalf with God. Right? So in Exodus 19, um, verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will, will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Oh, it's like It's like the ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom. They're supposed to consecrate themselves. They're supposed to be ready. Interesting, and it's the third day. So have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. 
put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are, they are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. A, no person or animal shall be, shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds... The ram's horn was called what? The um, I forgot. Dang. Okay. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, may they approach the mountain. Okay. So after they hear the ram's horn, what is this thing that I was I have been studying about the ram's horn? What's that name? I'm forgetting. I remember doing my study of Jericho. Shofar. The Shofar. In the Battle Cry episode. The Ram's Horn. The Shofar. Because I studied like it was mostly used in war. But um, also it was used as a sacred instrument. Musical instrument. Interesting. So you see it's like connected to music. But it's only after they hear that ram's horn that they are supposed to approach the mountain. Now, King Neb tells everybody, including Shadrach, Mesh, and Abed, Nego, it's after they hear the music that they're supposed to bow down. That's the question. My question is, is there a connection? Now, in Exodus 20, verse 18 when the people saw the thunder and lightning lightning and heard the trumpet i think the trumpet is a shofar when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet yeah it's the it's the shofar and saw the mountain in the smoke in smoke they trembled with fear they stayed at the dis at a distance and said to moses speak to us yourself and we will listen but do not have god speak to us or we will die Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that you, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick dark darkness where God was. That cloud. So that is interesting. That's a question. I don't know when. Maybe I'll just continue poking on. Just thinking about it. And get something from it. So the question is, is there a similarity between the two narratives in the Bible? God telling the Israelites to come up the mountain when they hear the trumpets and they see the thunder and after they hear the trumpets. And between that and the king ne and King Neb telling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed to bow down to the image when they hear the lyre trumpets. So the hearing thing, like that's the connection. Because God is not telling the Israelites to come down and to come and bow down before him when he comes comes right but there's that there's that what do i call it it's like a worship aspect i don't know i don't know i don't know to be honest i don't know so that's a question one now what i'm going to dive deeper into in the second question uh, in today's episode is the second question <laughs> so the second question is this this is interesting and i haven't honestly done any study up i was just thinking like oh wait i think i remember this and then i write it down i think i remember this and then when i come across something like a verse i write it down i do think there's a what do you call it uh 
coherent i think there's a coherent narrative here in this second question like separate from even the frontline message like it's distinct on its own like it's separate and distinct on its own like it, it can stand alone this question and there's mm, the threads that are weaved together in these different narratives i do think there is right but i think how it relates to frontline the message today is um is not necessarily um tied to those threads but anyway so today's question the second question is there any correlation between samson and the israelites and jesus when it comes to the lion like a lion and i've written in brackets dead carcass plus honey when it comes to the lion and honey <laughs> this might sound like one so i remembered this had come to me like samson I, I haven't gone back to read that's what i'm saying i don't even know if i'm remembering it correctly but i do remember there was a lion and that either he killed the lion samson and then there was honey there was bees that need honey in the dead in the dead carcass of the lion and then samson came and took from that honey from that dead carcass of the lion and then i asked myself wait huh that is interesting and then I was like, wait, he was a um, Nazarite, Nazarene, Naz, the Nazarite vow. I think he was a Nazarite, right? He was um, consecrated and, and um, set apart from, from the day he was born to be a Nazarite, to take on the Nazarite vow for his entire life. Because the Nazarite vow was supposed to be like for maybe a year. Both both men and women could take the Nazarite vow, which was like a, a chilled version of the priesthood lifestyle. So if anyone wanted to consecrate themselves like the priests were consecrated, then they would take the Nazarite vow and then they would live like for max a year like priests. So they were not supposed to shave their hair they were supposed like there were there were rules but then i was like wait hold up one yes he was a nazarite samson but even generally the israelites i'm talking about the lion the dead lion touching the dead remember like god had told the israelites don't touch anything that is dead am i remembering that correctly <laughs> wow i am doubting my memory Leviticus chapter what? Let me just try to scroll the NASB corner titles. I want to look at the titles. Uh huh. Peace offering, offering, offering. Wait, wait, what? Priest, blood offering, consecration, offering, sacrifices, sin, laws about animals and food, mother, laws about motherhood, huh. leprosy. Uh-huh, cleansing, I think it's here. Cleansing, unhealthiness, those of atonement, blood of atonement. No, no, no. I think it's here when it comes to cleansing. Let me go back to NIV. There's something to do with you're not supposed to touch any dead animal or dead 
human mm. Mm. defiling modes okay okay i don't know if i have time to continue scrolling i mean i do have time today <laughs> but i mean like do i want to take time and scroll or just google okay let me just google laws israelite laws israelite laws about touching because even remember in exodus was it exodus yeah i think exodus 19 or something touching dead animals and people whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean until evening leviticus 11 okay okay leviticus 11 clean and unclean food Hmm. Verse ele- Leviticus 11 verse what? Verse what? Whoa. Okay, Kaka says verse 33. Any food you are allowed to eat that can... Any, f- any food you are allowed to eat that has come into contact with water from any such pot is unclean. Okay. Anything that one anything that one of their carcasses falls on becomes unclean. What am I reading? Okay. Let me go back to Google. Deuteronomy fourteen, Leviticus twenty four, Leviticus five. Leviticus five verse two. Hmm. Okay. Is it just me? Nimimi dosi elewi. Nimimi tundosi shiki. You will make yourselves unclean by these. Whoever touches the, their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Whoever picks up one of their carcasses must wash his clothes and he will be unclean till evening. I think this is the part I was looking for. Leviticus 11 verse 24. Leviticus 11. Because I was asking myself. One. Yes of course Samson did not live like a Nazarite. Even though he was supposed to. He did not. He still had strength. And God still protected him. But. He was. um, Not living up to that. To that. um, Oath. That he made. That. That. I mean, I don't think he made the oath. I don't remember exactly, but I think it was given, like he was, he was offered. He was offered. He was consecrated as a child. That's what I wanted to say. So, yes, even him touching the dead carcass of a lamb is like, oh, typical Samsung. That is Samsung. <laughs> Samson. Like, of course, Samson 
is not obedient to God's laws. But that was interesting that honey, the, the connection with honey there, like the question is like, honey is found, you, you get, you, Samson gets honey from a carcass of a dead lion. That's like a strong image to have in my head right now. Leviticus 11 verse 1. 24. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, verse 24. You will make yourselves unclean by bees. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Whoever picks up one of their carcasses must wash their clothes, then they will be unclean. Every animal that does not have a divided hoof and that does not chew the card is unclean. For you, whoever touches the carcass of any of them will be unclean. Like a lion. A lion does not chew cud. Right? Um, of all the animals that walk on all fours, those that walk on their paws, like the lion, are unclean for you. Whoever touches their carcasses. Perfect. I didn't even think it was this specific. But let me highlight that. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Okay, this is just till evening. Anyone who picks up their carcasses, carcasses must wash their clothes and they will be unclean till evening. These animals are unclean for you. Okay. So. I'm scrolling to see there's a mention of a lion, but a lion has walks on the paws. So the question is, right? Is there any correlation between Samsung and the Israelites and Jesus when it comes to the lion... That happens to be alive but then kind of dies meaning its carcass is connected to the death and honey and then I said okay so Samson kills a lion harvests honey from its carcass the Israelites this is what now the connection I was kind of seeing I think I should google the Samson narrative maybe I'm wrong but anyway the Israelites Samson kills a lion Harvest honey from his carcass. Am I saying that right? Carcass. 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 Okay. So that happens to Samson. Kills a lion, harvest honey from its carcass. The Israelites overpower, the overpowering is like the same as the killing. Uh, so I have that in quotes. The Israelites, in quotes, overpower Canaan, the land of Canaan, and quote-unquote harvest honey from its land. So Canaan here is like symbolized by like the lion in my, my two narratives, Samson and the Israelites. It's like there's a relation between Canaan and lion. You see, and like the land of Canaan is like the land of milk, milk and honey. But the only way to access that land is by overpowering Canaan. And of course, it's not like, like bio not biologically, um, naturally, we don't get honey from a dead lion. <laughs> so it's not, it's not like that. I'm just saying in these two narratives, the honey was in the carcass of a dead lion 
The same way for the Israelites, the honey is found after overpowering Canaan, right? And then for Jesus, I was thinking it, I was thinking about it like this now. Jesus in quotes overpowers he does. So even the quotes doesn't make sense, but I'm just saying I'm highlighting the overpowering thing and linking it to kind of like killing, you know, having power over. So Jesus overpowers her death and quote unquote harvests I've written souls from its land. But then I was like, did Jesus harvest souls from um what did what did, what does the bible call it hey hades hades when jesus uh, yes 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 how does jesus harvest souls from hades you see everybody in the bible knew that when we die we're going to the land of the dead hades that's where we will go you never rise again. You don't even eat. You don't think. There's no learning of anything. Like Ecclesiastes says, in death, there's no knowledge. There's no wisdom. You're just there. You're dead. Right? So when Jesus resurrects, and I think that's beautiful because it does tie, it does tie to frontline. Frontline Jesus um connecting it to Jesus because when Jesus resurrects meaning he overpowers death he quote unquote kills death the killing of death will happen eventually revelations we are told that that will happen that's the second death that happens to death <laughs> the second death happens to death itself right um and everybody else who is not written in the book of life but Jesus overpowers death, meaning he resurrects. He is the first fruits, right? Meaning now, we now are like the harvest. You see how Jesus says the harvest is large? We are the harvest that happens after Jesus resurrects, meaning we can now experience resurrection. That's literally, I think, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Where Paul talks about the resurrection, I might be wrong, maybe it's Colossians. But that's the thing. It's because Jesus resurrects that we get to resurrect. But the question is, are we the honey? <laughs> I mean, that is true. We get to resurrect because Jesus resurrects. But when it comes to this a question I have when it comes to like the lion and honey lion here being death right Jesus overpowers death and and death is like the devil being seen as the roaming lion that wants to kill God's people in I think in a Peter or Paul or, or one of the or Jude one of the um new testament letters talks about the the devil is a roaring lion that seeks to devour and then also in revelation we see revelation chapter 12 we see the dragon the lion is angry and is seeking to devour the offspring of the woman those who profess 
and testify to the testimony of Jesus. So there's a connection between the lion and and death and Canaan being anti-God. Because later we see Canaan becomes a promised land. There is redemption in 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 um, for humanity. There is redemption for humanity. There's no redemption for the dragon. There's no redemption for the lion. The the ultimate lion, like the devil himself, Satan. There's no redemption for Satan. But there is redemption for every human who chooses to pick the, the devil's side. Instead of choosing the Lord's side, they still, that's the entire point of Jesus dying on the cross, to make a way. Frontline. It's tied to pioneering, yes, but it's also tied to frontline. Jesus makes a way for anyone, anyone, whether you are a Satan worshiper, literally, whether you are a w- witch, performing witchcraft, whether you are just a, I'm saying just a liar, but it's it's a lie. God hates lies. Everything is the same. The witch, the liar, the sexually immoral, all these things. The greedy. Nobody. Every human being. Every human being. Is um is either one of either one or two or all of these things. There's a list. So even the liar, gets, a opportunity to experience redemption. Even the sexually immoral, because of Jesus's death and resurrection. He makes a way for us to to have the opportunity to choose to experience that. Everyone. Right? So I think, because I've written, okay, Jesus overpowers death and quote-unquote harvest souls from its land, the, the, the land of the dead, right, Hades. And I've also written, okay, so Jesus also overpowers death and quote-unquote um, harvests the garden from the fallen world so like Jesus overpowers death and what he harvests like the fruit is like the garden the garden of Eden the new the new creation is harvested from the fallen world you see how in revelation this is just me thinking right because again it's a question I'm even actually thinking more deeply right now because I just wrote down the question. I was like, interesting, interesting, interesting. So I'm just thinking through it. So when you see like um, Revelation talk about there will be a new heavens and a new earth because the old will have passed away, right? So the honey is like the garden, right the promised land there is honey in the promised land so there's that aspect of it so the question is is there any correlation between these narratives when it comes to samson i keep saying samson samson um samson when it comes to samson the israelites and jesus playing on the like the lion and the honey the dead lion and the honey symbols so let me Samson Samson kills a lion 
and eats honey bible verse Ooh, so just saw my narrative for like years honey bible i don't think i've read a samsung story for like years well i think last year is when i was studying about samsung's samson's parents with the angel of the lord but i didn't read like the entire samson narrative you know judges chapter 14 judges chapter 14 verse what verse 8 See, hopefully I've been understanding it correctly. What? Caleb? What did I Google? Judges chapter 14 and I've opened Joshua. Okay. <laughs> okay, sis. No need to focus. Joshua chapter 14. Verse 8. Should I read the Samson narrative? That finally I understand Samson. Let me read the Samson narrative so that Nisiseme it has been years. So the birth of Samson. Again the Israelites did evil things in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for forty years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of Danites had a wife who was childless. Interesting. Barrenness fruitfulness all these things okay. a, a certain man of zora named manoah from the clan of the danites had a wife who was childless unable to give birth the angel of the lord appeared to her and said you are barren and childless but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son mm-hmm. love to see it now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Let me just pause for a minute. I know I don't want to interrupt Sana, but the fact that this woman, Samson's mother, did not he just saw, she just saw a man. There was no glowing angel, there was no whatever. But we're clearly told that that is the angel of the Lord. Appearing in physical form as a man. Hence why even Paul tells us, you guys, I think it's Paul, might be, or Peter. Tells us, you need to be careful when you're interacting with strangers. Be kind to strangers. Because you never know you're entertaining an angel. Meaning, you even Jesus, even Jesus says, or even though I'm not saying every every poor person and every all these people are like it's, it's Jesus, but I'm just saying, Jesus says, tells his disciples, um, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. Because we're 
as Christians, there's this call to prison ministry, meaning like to minister to prisoners and take care of prisoners and the widows and the poor. Like it's something that I've come to realize. Like we're not supposed to. You see the redeeming aspect, and who goes to prison? Of course, there are people who are wrongfully accused, but I'm talking about generally, like the the deranged in the society, or like the 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 those who, people who we are like, oh my God, he's the worst of the worst. Those are the people we take to prison. But for God to tell us that no, yes, they did that, but make sure you visit them in prison. Make sure you take care of them in prison. Like, you see the redeeming us. That's why God even tells us to love our enemies. I sometimes me God just amazes me. That love will need to come from Him because it can't come from me. Like me, the human being, I just can't choose to love my enemies. I'm that person who I don't use the word hate that much. But when it comes to death and anything tied to death, sicknesses and people who cause death, I hate such things. Like I hate it. <clears throat> like I hate. And I think I mentioned in like which episode was that? It's a Kitambo episode. Right side up, I think. Or or um live ready was it live ready be ready live ready or right side up i mentioned how for a long time actually until i was in uni that's when i was like oh you mean my talent for drawing can be something that i can live on okay like i can actually choose this you know um so before uni in my high school years in my primary years i never knew what i wanted to be when i grow up everybody around me knew maybe they were lying maybe some of them didn't know but according to me everybody was like oh they honestly know what they want to be i have no idea when i think about a doctor i'm like no never pilot no never police no never teacher no never like there's nothing nothing I, nothing I could think of that I was like, maybe. Nothing. So I was like, ish. Just, and it's even tied to death. Ugh. Anyway, I've talked about this in some of my episodes. So, so <laughs> I remember one time how I started this. This The reason why I'm talking about this anyway is because there's one time in class where the teacher was like, okay, we're going in primary school. I think it was class five because five n so i was in five n <laughs> yeah and five n we were like in the corner in like a corner area city five yeah class five so i think we're in class five and the teacher was like oh, we're going to through to every student and every student desk by desk by desk will tell us what they want to be in the future and then i was like gosh one i'm not the type to want to speak up in front of class but then two i have nothing to say should I lie? I don't want to lie. I don't know. I I have to lie. Because what am I going to say? I can't say nothing. Everybody's saying everything. Like, everybody has an answer. So I looked at my 
desk mate. I'll call her desk mate. She was seated like next to me at her desk. And I was like, man, I don't know what to say. And she was like, ah, you know what? Let's guess. Even me, I don't know. Oh, at least, at least I wasn't alone. I had forgotten like we made this pack together. So she said, um, I don't know if it was me or her, but the, the, the nini of judge came to mind. How about we say we want to be judges? I want to be a judge. And to me, I was like, you know what? That will not be a lie. Because, again, I don't like lying. <laughs> I was like, I can kind of see that as a truth in my life. comes to judging. And to connect that to judge, like the prisoners and stuff, to judge prison, like, you know, judging those who have committed heinous crimes and I had one crime in mind and I was like oh yes I'll, I'll, I'll say judge one I'll not be lying because it kind of might I don't want to be a judge but it's an option so I say judge so my point is me saying that I am not the most loving when it comes to some type of things I'm not I'm not like there's hate naturally hate springs up but then jesus tells me nanini even those people can be redeemed ah. Ah. it's only god who can change the hearts of people even thinking about it makes me like get emotional anyway so I read, um, okay, my point was that God is the same God that tells us to love our enemies. That's the same God that tells us to visit those in prison. It's the same God that tells us to to be good to us, to, to everyone, to our neighbor, anyone. Because you never know. Jesus says when you, f- you are good to them, you're good to me. And then Paul says, yeah, that is true. But also realize you might be actually meeting an actual angel. Meaning, how many angels have I encountered that are, I could never tell? They look human completely. And if an angel can take the form of a human, what about the other side? The dark side? If an angel, I believe I live in a spiritual and physical world where an angel can take the form of a human there are good angels and there are bad angels we call them fallen angels right the bad angels the demons i don't know if that's one and the same maybe they're classes they're like they're classified because they're like little they're rulers and then there are powers and then there are authorities maybe they're like different they're also like um there's a higher up hierarchy maybe so yeah so that's something to think about so anyway back to samson's mother seeing the angel of the lord and saying and the woman went to her husband verse 6 judges chapter 13 verse 6 i'm not going to pause again let me read judges chapter 13 verse 6 then the woman went to her husband and told him a man of god came to me he looked like an angel of god very awesome oh so he oh so there is an appearance but look, she's saying, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from. 
and he didn't tell me his name. If he's a man of God who looked like an angel, is there a need to ask him where he came from? Is there any other place where angels come from? Or like, is she saying like, did you come from this place to this place? Like, are you moving? Or, because there's one place angels come from if they are man of God. But maybe man of God might be like, you see how a prophet can be termed as like a man of God? But then she was like, yeah, this was no ordinary man. There was something about this man, angel-like about this man. Because I mean, come on, you meet Jesus, you for sure know there's a difference. <laughs> but anyway. So, when the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me, he looked like an angel of God, very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat any unclean thing, anything unclean. Because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Excuse me, pouch. Verse 8. Then Manoah, the husband, prayed to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I beg you to let the man of God you sent us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Wow. I think it is tied more to this front line. Nini that I thought. Let me just mention what the front line thing is first. Because I keep mentioning it. <clears throat> I had studied. Where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Let me actually Google front line. Frontline meaning. <clears throat> Frontline, the military line or part of an army that is closest to the enemy. I remember coming across it in the hold the line. Hold the line episode. Okay, I found it. So in the hold the line episode, the Google meaning for hold the line that I some meanings I found. One was maintain the existing, hold the line, maintain the existing position or state of affairs. In That's the Google one. Urban Dictionary remains steady. Dictionary.com. This term alludes to former military tactics in which a line of troops was supposed to prevent an enemy breakthrough. Right? Um, eventually it was um, transferred to civilian enterprise. So, okay. So hold the line means the military uh, front line means the military line or part of an army that is closest to the enemy. The second one that's that is a noun that's an adjective stationed on the military line that is closest to the enemy. What does it mean to be in the front line? To be to be in an important position where you have influence but where you are likely to be criticized or attacked. Okay, so generally front line. So again, I mentioned I want to study David when it comes to front, front line. Kings, Jesus, Judges, Deborah, and Barak, the, the general, and Moses. So the reason why I'm seeing this Samson narrative, Manoah in verse 8, that Samson's dad is praying to the Lord, saying, pardon your servant, Lord. 
I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. You see, like, whoever takes the front line when it comes to the study that I am um, studying, Kwanzaa mostly the kings. Kwanzaa, I, I, oh man, okay. Let me just mention something briefly and then I'll continue studying. With the kings, I remembered like, oh wait, kings were actually going to the front line and battling the enemy while they were at the front line. They were leading the charge, like they were leading their troops, right? Many died, many didn't die because Kitambo apparently they weren't fighting to the death. Not all the time they were fighting to the death. Like, for example, with David and the Goliath situation, the one army would stay on one end, the other army on the other end, and then they would send, like, their best people to fight each other. So it's not all the time, like, everybody in the army fought in one field. Sometimes that happened, sometimes it didn't. But the thing is, if a king was not going to the front line and leading his troops, there was this... He would be seen as weak, as not courageous, you know. So taking, going to the front line for a king, a, a pioneer, a front, a, a forerunner, a front, yeah, a forerunner. Like there's that aspect of like they are a leader, right? Now, I think Samson is supposed to be a Nazarite of God. And the angel of the Lord tells Israel, Samson's mom that Samson is supposed is the one who is going to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. I'm just from reading King Neb and Shadrach, Mesh and Abed telling King Neb, the Lord will deliver us from your hand. Right? He might not deliver us from the furnace, but he will deliver us from your hand, your majesty. So there's that thing of deliverance from the hands of the lion. We put it like that. You're delivered from the lion, right? So um, Samson is supposed to be a deliverer, right? He's supposed to lead and actually win the war for the Israelites. But then, even for the parents, they have to be taught. That's what the one that's how that's the one place where it has hit me like, wow, okay. They had to be taught how to do it. That was interesting. Okay. Then the then Manoah, verse 8, the Manoah prayed to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I beg you to let the man of God you sent us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Okay. The reason why I was tying that to like frontline and also like I'm seeing something, you see with Jesus, I'm already, I'm, I think I'm already studying this frontline thing. So with Jesus, Jesus, I've written, this is what I've written. Jesus goes to the frontline 
and leads his disciples. The same way the, the kings used to go to the front line and lead their troops to battle. Jesus goes to the front line and leads his disciples to battle and victory. He is the first, again, I mentioned the death and resurrection, right? He is the first to die. He literally tells his disciples every time, I am going to die. I'm going to die and I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to die, right? And this this is the a battle. Like me me accepting to be killed, to be to be handed over to the lion, me accepting to be handed over to the lion is actually me getting victory over the it's a strategy. Because how I will get victory over the lion, how I will overpower the lion, how I will kill the lion is by is by um resurrecting i have power over death if i don't remain dead so i have to let death take me so that i can overpower it by resurrecting so i've written jesus is the first to die and resurrect from the dead so we his disciples can now die and experience the resurrection because jesus is the first fruits Right, he's the first fruits, and then I've written Jesus is the forerunner, the pioneer of our faith. In connection to what Manoah is praying to the Lord for, to, to be taught how to bring up the boy who's supposed to be a Nazarite, there's a connection between how the Nazarite, the priesthood, and now us as the royal priests, the chosen people of God the church there's a connection there because now we are supposed we are not you see how the priests were not were israelites but they were supposed to be separate and um, set apart it's the same with us we are human beings we are in the world but we're not supposed to be of the world we're supposed to be set apart right we are priests we're supposed to it's like how the Nazarite is set apart from the normal people who are not taking the vow. Now, Samson is supposed to be that person. And clearly, there are some things he also needs to learn. Yes, the parents, because the parents will teach Samson what they have been taught. But there's a teaching that needs to happen to even the priests, to even the Nazarites. They need to be taught how to live You get me? Okay, let me continue. Verse 9. God had Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, He is here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife. Then he came to the man and said, are you the man who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, When your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? I love this. I don't know if it has anything to do with frontline, but the fact that there's a lifestyle. <laughs> I'm expected to live a certain kind of lifestyle. 
as part of the chosen people, as part of the body of Christ, as part of the priesthood. There is a lifestyle that is expected. And the meaning as a student I'm supposed to learn from the teacher, my master, how to live that lifestyle. And the good news is, maybe this is part of the frontline thing, the good news is Jesus is that teacher, that master, who has actually experienced what I am going through right now and is teaching me the li- how to live the life that I'm supposed to live. How beautiful is that? Like what, there's nothing that God has overlooked when it comes to us as humans and how, and, and, and um, mending his relationship with us. Like there's nothing that he has overlooked. I can't say I don't have the knowledge because he has told us to ask and we will receive. He has told us to seek and we will find. I can't say I don't have understanding. He has told us to ask and to seek. I can't say that I don't have a teacher, literally the Holy Spirit. Even if I was living in Wajir or like a secluded place or like Madagascar alone in that in that island of course there are people living in Madagascar I'm just saying or in the or 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 in um the Namib des- desert or Sahara desert and I'm alone God still speaks to me even in the wilderness even in the seclusion because God is spirit he is not tied to location he's not tied to a physical institution church building that because i'm not being taught by pastor so and so then i can't understand god no this is so beautiful because manoah and his wife were like okay we have been promised this god has promised us a son we we were barren and childless now we have been promised a son it's like the son of the promised narrative. It's also tied to like some some son. Gosh, I'm saying some son, some son in my head. So like we have been, we were barren. We have been promised a son. And they were like, it's like ask and you'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. So they were like, okay, you know what? I have a direct con- con- communication, direct connection to God because they didn't go like to the priests or like to whatever. I don't know if they had priests at this time, right? I think they did. They didn't go like to the priest and say, okay, talk to God for me. You said to say, oh, wow. I think I love how these things are tying together, even though they were so really quite different things I was talking about. You see how Moses, the people of Israel told Moses, speak to God on our behalf. Speak to God wanted to speak to them directly. Right. But then they were like, oh, wait, 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 pause pause maybe 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 just pause on what i was talking about okay let me not pause let me finish that point and then say this thing that has come to my so god wanted to speak to them directly but then they were like okay no you speak or not be no we don't want that direct connection we are afraid of god but then we see you see how manoah is like has this direct communication he just prays and god answers him the same way daniel was praying and then god sends angels to answer him Amazing. So what this is what has come to mind. The Israelites, God called the Israelites to the front line. <laughs> In Exodus 19, was it Exodus 19? 
Yes, I think, 19 and 20. God comes down. God comes down. And tells the Israelites, consecrate yourselves. Get ready. Prepare yourselves. Right? And then come. And the Israelites are afraid to go to the front line. To meet God. Because the front line looks scary. There's thunder. There's lightning. There are trumpets. And there's the shaking of the ground. Like the earthquake. That's like a front to them. That was scary. But it's not like God was calling them to fight him. God was calling them to unite with him. But I think also there's this aspect of frontline that we have been called to because we are in the world. It will be, there will be the quaking, there will be the, there will be death, there will be, it's a battlefield. <laughs> we are called to be, to go to the front line of the battlefield. The good news is though, this is why I was saying, I think this will just be like a 20 minute episode because in my notes, what I was, all I understood was like, the good thing is Jesus, like the, the, the culminate, like the, everything adds up and, 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 um, and is fulfilled in Christ. And the good thing about it, that David failed, he was supposed, he was supposed to be this king, but then he failed. Samson failed. Moses failed. All these great people failed. But then now we find we have a king who can go to the front line. Kwanzaa, he is the one who goes ahead of us, prepares a way for us, and then tells us to come and not be afraid because he will be with us. How many times has God told his people, don't be afraid because I'll be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll, I'll go ahead of you. that's a beautiful thing right so the the calibre thing was like uh, i think god was calling the israelites to go to the front line but in this case it's like it was not a bad thing meaning it was not like a. it might be scary of course because you're meeting god but it was a good thing you know, you're not going to battle. It's like, because <laughs> I'm asking myself, is there anyone who battled God? And jo- jo- Israel, Jacob, comes to mind. He wrestled God. A man who appeared just like this angel of the Lord, who appeared as a man. God appeared as a man. I think Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, if I'm not wrong maybe not remembering that correctly but my point is even then Jacob was like I'm not letting you go I'm not letting you go until you bless me right wait did he say that so that's also tied to like him 
him deceiving his father is no Isaac to be blessed to receive the blessing there's something that that is like interesting there's a connection there when it comes to the blessing thing right on one end he deceives to receive a blessing but on this other end he doesn't deceive he actually fights to receive a blessing <laughs> there's something that i'm not seeing but it's interesting let me continue reading okay verse verse 12 so manoah asked him when your words are fulfilled what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work the angel of the lord answered your wife must do all that i have told her she must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine so wine no <clears throat> not drink any wine or what else comes from the grapevine that's not wine beer maybe okay she must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine nor drink any wine or other fermented drink nor eat anything unclean she must not she must do everything i have commanded her manoah said to the angel of the lord we would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you the angel of the lord replied even though you detain me i will not eat any of your food but if you prepare a burnt offering offer it to the lord but if you prepare a burnt offering offer it to the lord Manoah did not realize that it was the angel of the Lord. So all this time, he's they're speaking to this the angel of the Lord, and they're not realizing that it's the angel of the Lord. Verse seventeen. Then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, "What is your name, that we may honor you when your word comes true?" <clears throat> he replied, "Why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding." There's a footnote. It is wonderful. My name is beyond understanding. My name is wonderful. It sounds similar to my name is I am who I am. Like it's beyond understanding. I am who I am. Because there's this other place where God is referred to as the wonderful counselor in the prophecy of the Messiah being born. He will be God. He will be a, f- a father. He will be wonderful. He will be counselor. So, Cindy, <laughs> why am I doubting myself? What am I going to search? Wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Bible verse. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 to 7. For to us a child is born. It's beautiful how this is tied to Samson being the child who is born. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace will, will be no end. I'm curious to see if the word wonderful used in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 to 7, this word, is the same word that is used in Judges. 
Judges, let me scroll and see. Wonderful. Judges chapter 13, verse 18. Let me Google Bible Hub. Judge, wait, 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 wait. Oh, man. Isaiah chapter what? Isaiah 9. Let me copy paste this. Copy. Okay. Um, paste. And um, Judges 13. Bible Hub. <coughs> Let me check and see that if there's a the word used there. Hebrew for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful. Pele. A miracle. He will be called a miracle. Okay, let me see. Wonderful. Pele. Exodus 15, 11. In praises working wonders. Psalms, Psalms. Wonders, wonders. Your testimonies are wonderful. Isaiah 9. Okay. I'm not seeing judges here. So let me search Judges 19 Actually Judges 13 13 was 18 <laughs> Let's see Angel said, Wonderful Pelly. It's similar. This is Pelly. The other one is Pele. This is Pili, Pali, or Pali. Wonderful, incomprehensible. Yeah, I think it's the same word. It's an adjective that is used here. Wonderful. The same as Pele. From the same as Pele. Yeah, it's the same letter, the same word that is. So his name is wonderful. Meaning it's incomprehensible. That's why I'm telling you to like Jesus telling Moses, I am who I am. And in Isaiah 6, we see like he will be called wonderful. He will be called wonderful. He will be called incomprehensible. I love that. Okay. Judges chapter 13 verse 18. He replied, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. It is wonderful. Then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar toward heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Wow. Wow. As the flame blazed up from the altar toward heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. 
Where else do we see an angel in a flame? The angel of the Lord in a flame? The burning bush. We are told that Moses was told by the angel of the Lord who was in the burning bush to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. The same burning bush where also the Lord is said to be also in the flame. Amazing. So, uh okay, as the flame blazed up from the altar, verse 20, toward heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. They didn't say we saw angel Gabriel. They didn't say, oh, we saw an angel of the Lord. No, we saw the angel of the Lord. We saw God. But his wife answered, "If the Lord has meant had meant to kill us, we would not have accept he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, and now told us this." The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him, while he was in Mahane Dan between Zora. And okay, so this is the chapter where I'm, I'm reading about the lion. Samson's marriage. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. And again, these they were not supposed to marry the foreigners. So Samson was doing everything wrong. <laughs> Samson went down to Timnah and saw, according to what I know, I don't know everything about Samson. So he went down. Uh-huh, and so a young Philistine woman. Then he returned and said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timna. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? <laughs> but Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She is the right one for me. His parents did not know what this was. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord. What was it? His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. Ah, so it's part of the plan. Interesting. For at that time, they were ruling over Israel. Ah. Huh. So he wants to go to the front line. <laughs> I don't know if I'm reaching with this front line thing. But like, you see, it was part of the plan. Samson needed a way in. He needed a way to go to the front line. Okay. Because you see. So that's five. Samson went down to Timna. He went down. You see this narrative of going down, descending. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother as they approached the vineyards of Timnah suddenly a young lion for they were with the parents suddenly a young lion came roaring him roaring toward him the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands 
as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father, he, but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Where were the parents? Samson went down to Timna together with his father and mother. Maybe they went separately. Okay. 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 So a lion approach approaches him. The spirit of the Lord powerfully comes upon him. And then he tears the lion apart with his bare hands. And he doesn't say it. Verse 8. Some time later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from a lion's carcass. Because again, they are not even supposed to eat, to, to eat, um food or drink that is from a a bowl or let me say use a bowl a bowl that is in a tent where a dead person has died like it's that um it's 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 that strict and as you can see it's not like they were all obeying but like it they were not supposed to be associated with death so Samson did not tell his parents that he had taken the honey from death's mouth, the lion's carcass. Verse 10. Now his father went down to see the woman, and there Samson held a feast, as was customary for young men. When the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said to them. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Hmm. Tell us your riddle, they said. Let's hear it. He replied, Out of the eater something to eat oh it's about the lion out and honey out of the eater something to eat out of the strong something sweet um, i am seeing a connection here with samson and jesus with the lion death thing again i had not read this story for years so uh, let me highlight my green let me use out of the eater something to eat out of the strong something sweet i've read strong and i remembered i had written down next to this question too um this verse matthew chapter 12 verse 29 because i was asking myself where does jesus overpower and take overpower like death overpower the lion and win something from like when people go to battle and when they defeat that town or city they take plunder from the town and then today i was listening to something unrelated completely unrelated 
um, Jesus related but completely unrelated to this lion thing. <laughs> they were talking about a completely different topic. And they mentioned, they said, Christ has bound the strong man and plundered from his house. And I was like, wait, wait. Christ has bound the strong man and plundered from his house. I didn't know which verse what that was, but I remembered the only place where I remember Jesus talking about a strong man is when he was talking about casting out the demon and from a person. And he, if if you cast out the demon from a person and the house, that person's body, the house, it's the house, the house remains empty, that demon will go into the wilderness. But then we'll be like, okay, let me go back and see if there's still room in that house that I left. And then we'll come back and found a clean house with no one in there. Meaning you cast a demon out from somebody and the, they remain empty. They have nothing to fill them. Right? You cast a spirit, an evil spirit from them, but there's no other spirit that fills them. Then that evil spirit comes back and it comes out like seven times more, ten times worse bringing many other spirits and that person jesus says that person is left even worse than how he started from the very beginning and he talks about binding the strong man first before you plunder his house first bind him right and it's amazing because something has come to mind jesus telling like i've given you the keys to bind and loose Whatever you bind in heaven has been bound. Whatever you bind on earth has been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has been loosed in heaven. Beautiful. So when I read, I've just read this in Joshua chapter 14, verse 14. Oh, perfect. I'll remember it. Joshua 14, 14. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. So I've, 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 I've read strong and I was like, strong man. So Jesus has bound the strong man, has bound death and plundered. So I was not off, by the way, when it comes to like Jesus overpowers death and harvests like souls from the land of the dead or like harvests. They, like, there's a new garden emerges, like the garden of Eden that is filled with honey. I think there's a connection there with Matthew 12, 29. Christ has bound the strong man and plundered his Okay, Matthew twelve twenty nine doesn't literally say Christ has bound a strong man and plundered his house. That's just the notes that I had written down from what I had that person say in the podcast that I was listening to. But the entire narrative is found in Matthew chapter twelve verse twenty nine. So it's amazing because I think it's tied to this with Samson out of the eater, something to eat out of the strong something sweet so the eater is a lion the devil comes to still kill and destroy he comes just to take he eats oh oh wow okay there's a connection here with the eating taking and eating of the forbidden fruit who does that the offspring of the snake right Adam and Eve become the offspring of the snake when they listen to the snake and don't listen to God. Cain becomes an offspring of the snake when he takes of his brother 
right? And kills him. Um, Abraham and Sarah become offspring of the snake when they take Hagar and Sarah gives Hagar over the same way like Eve took the fruit and then gave it to her husband. Sarah takes of Hagar and gives to her husband to eat. So the eater. Death, death is the eater. Because death just takes. There's nothing that death gives. Death just takes. It eats. It's never ending. It never it's it never fills up. There's no time where death will be like, oh I'm full. Nobody else will die again because I'm already full. No. Death oh is the eater. So the lion, death, there's, I think there's something there. Okay, so this riddle, Joshua 14, 14, he replied, Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not give the answer. On the fourth day, there's a footnote on fourth, some Septuagint manuscripts and Syriac, Hebrew, instead of fourth, they say the seventh day. Okay. So on the fourth or the seventh day, they say to Samson's wife, coerce your husband into explaining the riddle for us, or we will burn you. Yo. I didn't think, what was her name? Delilah. Was Delilah... Um... I thought like she was on their side, on their side. Like she was not like um, threatened. Equally, it has been a while. I didn't know this. Coerce your husband into explaining the riddle for us or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to steal your property? Oh my gosh. This is reminding me of Jezebel ordering the people of the town or the people of, I don't know, they were people of what, to hold a feast for Naboth. Was his name Naboth? The guy who owned the, the vineyard. And then there were the sons of Belial. They sat on the opposite of Naboth and then they they falsely accused Naboth. I don't know if his name is Naboth, but <laughs> that's what I have in my head. So they accuse Naboth of something. What did they accuse him of? I think of doing something against the Lord they or against the king. They accuse him of, they falsely accuse him of something. And then Naboth is stoned to death. Was he just, okay, so he, he was killed. I don't remember exactly whether they how they killed him. But these people are reminding me of the sons of Belia. They are actually acting like the sons of the snake. Coerce your husband into explaining the riddle for us. Or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to steal our property? Also, they're like, if they lose, Samson and his wife get like... the clothes and the linen garments so they don't want to lose so that's the property they're talking about okay so verse 16 
Then then Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing. You hate me. You don't really love me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't haven't even explained it to my father or mother, he replied. So why should I explain it to you? (laughs) So why should I explain it to you? She cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her. Because she continued to press him, she in turn explained the riddle to her people. Before sunset, on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. What does that even mean? If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have sold my riddle. Is it like a, a something that they say? Or did they actually borrow his plow and his heifer to plow their field? And how would that in turn give them the... I don't know. I don't know. But let me highlight that. It's interesting. Verse 19. Then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those he had explained the riddle. (laughs) What? Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. And Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. Also, this is not, uh, what's her name? Delilah? Oh, he had several wives. So he found out, he realized it was the wife. So is the wife the plowed with the heifer thing? Okay. Wow, I'm humbled by this narrative. There's so many things that I am not understanding. But it's a fun it's it's a fun mini story to read. Verse one of chapter fifteen. Wait, how long is this? Okay, I'll read until Samson and Delilah sixteen. Okay. Chapter fifteen. Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest. Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. Oh, okay. Let me just read. He said, I'm going to my wife's room. But her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her. He said, that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Samson said to them, This time, I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So actually, Samson knew the plan. Did he? Did Samson know the plan all this time? Was him... I already know that it was the spirit of the Lord. It was God's plan for Samson to marry the wife. 
But did, but did God make the plan clear to Samson? Because Samson in verse 3 is saying, Okay, now this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. Huh. Why is it that I was thinking Samson is this? Let me read. Maybe I had misunderstood Samson. <laughs> or I heard people talk about Samson in another way. I don't know. Verse 3. Samson said to them, This time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. Verse 4. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. Then he fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burnt up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. When the Philistines asked, asked who did this, they were told Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistine went up and burned her and her father to death. Whoa. Samson said to them, Since you have acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. Okay. I didn't know there was this storyline. I, To be honest, all I thought about Samson was he was set apart by God, but then he didn't live a righteous life, the, the life that he was supposed to live. Instead, he did everything wrong. He touched dead things. Um, he married foreign women. And that was what led to his downfall. Turns out, so far, what I'm understanding, hopefully I'm, I'm getting the right understanding, so far there's nothing that I've read that Samson did that is not... Wait, there's a place where we, we were told Samson was drinking, right? Where, where have I been hearing these things? Let me just continue reading. Because so far, the time that Samson eats from the carcass of the lion... Okay, yes, we are told he takes from that knowing that it's a carcass of the lion and then he gives it to his parents. He doesn't tell them. I think that that's not okay. The marrying of the foreign women, the husband, the father tells him, no, marry from your own people. But then Samson says, but then we're told, we, we are told that the father didn't know that it was God's plan all along for Samson to marry a Philistine. So was it God using Samson's choices to act through or did God tell Samson to marry a foreign woman? I'm not sure. Wow, I should start listening to people talk about this Samson narrative. <laughs> There's so many things that I didn't know. Let me continue reading. So they burn his wife and his father-in-law to death and then Samson 
vows to revenge. Verse 8, he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave. Whoa, Elijah is coming to mind. He went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Etam. What is Etam? The rock of Etam. Let me Google. The rock of Etam. Cleft of the rock of Etam. What is this? Rock of Etam is mentioned as a rock with the cave where Samson hid after smiting the Philistines. Hip and thigh with a great slaughter. It was in Judah, but apparently in the low hill country. Is it? Okay, okay. I wanted to see if it's tied to like Mount Sinai or Mount. Okay. Okay, so he hid there. Verse 9. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. Lehi, Lehi. The people of Judah asked, Why have you come to fight us? We have come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etam and said to Samson, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. They said to him, We've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Huh. Okay, I have these things coming to mind and I'm just going to mention them, but I'm just mentioning them because they've come to mind. I'm not mentioning them because I think Samson is tied to Jesus and Jesus was handed over. That's what has come to mind. Okay, so Jesus was handed over by his own people to the Romans who were ruling over them. So that's what has come to mind. But then I'm just saying, okay, just because that has come to mind, I'm not saying, okay, so Samson here is being handed over because, like, no, that has just come to mind. Interesting. So because the Philistines are ruling over the people. And Samson, who is the Nazarite, who is the set-apart one, who is a strong one, who has the Spirit of the Lord that comes upon him now and then, because he, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and leaves him, it's not like right now I can confidently, oh, this is so beautiful, like, even thinking about it and saying it, it's, can you imagine I can say, the Spirit of the Lord was coming upon Samson and leaving him. But I, Nanini, this 29-year-old lady in Kenya, Nairobi, narrow that down to wherever my place is, and I can say that the Spirit of the Lord is in me and has not left me and will never leave me. <laughs> can you imagine? This is the plant that this is the honey that I'm talking about. I get to enjoy the honey that Jesus has planted. This is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift given to me. And this is what I'm talking about. Like sometimes these things hit me and I'm like, 
what what life is this that I'm living? What? Samson and all the Old Testament prophets and judges and rulers, the Holy Spirit was only coming upon them to empower them for a specific task and then leaves them. But me, Nanini, I have the Holy Spirit until until I die or until Jesus comes back. Like I have the Holy Spirit with me day and night, year after year. He speaks to me directly. He teaches me how to live this life. Oh man. There's so many things we take for granted. Like, that's insane. So, anyway, so Samson is handed over, right, by his people to the rulers of the land who are the Philistines. Samson say, Samson said to them, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. <gasps> oh, okay, this is more tied to even Jesus. Jesus, well, Jesus did not ask them to swear because he had power to, like, somehow elude the people who wanted to kill him every single time because his time had not yet come. But Samson was like, okay, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. So they agreed. Agreed. They answered, we will only tie you up and tie your hands. Oh, okay, okay, pause. I think there's... What is double entendre? There's like this sarcasm thing. It's not sarcasm. What is it? What is double... Entendre. Double entendre, a word or phrase that is open to two interpretations. Okay. <laughs> I'm not off. One of which is usually risque or indecent. Okay. Double meaning, ambiguity, innuendo, play on words. Okay. I think this is a play on words here. Not exactly words, but like a narrative. Play on narrative. Play on symbolism. Play on uh, threads. <laughs> because, because, look at this. I'm studying about tying the strong man. Binding the strong man. And plundering his house. This is in Matthew chapter 12 verse 29. Jesus Christ has bound the strong man and plundered his house. Now, this is not literally exactly what has happened here. But who is Samson if he is not the strongest man to ever live? I'm just saying. I'm not saying Samson is a demon. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not exactly like verbatim, like word for word. Like a play on words exactly. But it's funny. I think it's funny and interesting how I'm studying about... I talked about Christ binding the strong man and plundering his house. And then Samson is the one who's being tied up. Okay. So they're like agreed. They answered, we will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and tied. And again, let me just pause because again, I've, I don't know what will happen next. But this is Samson. Even if they tie him, he can 
wait, did he only have power when the spirit came upon him or did he always have power? These are questions I never asked myself because I hadn't read this narrative. I always assumed Samson always had power, but apparently from the time he went and killed those people and took their clothes to the other time that he he was, um, when did the spirit of the lion thing, where we see the show of his strength, it's the spirit of the Lord that comes upon him to give him that strength. Interesting. So right now, because I was asking like, why would he allow them to tie him up if he can just like, like hulk his way out of the ropes, you know? But, huh, interesting. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. This rock thing is interesting. They led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, Lehi, the Philistines came towards him, toward him shouting. Oh, it's like, maybe I'm reading into this, but anyway, it's like how, you see, Jesus was, was with his disciples in the Garden of Eden. And uh, not the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Judas, to identify Jesus to the Roman gods that he came with like he betrayed Jesus with a kiss but my point is Judas be, the same way these people are betraying Samson to the Philistines it's like the same way Judas betrays Jesus to the Romans okay I'm seeing something there so as he approached Lehi, Lehi the, I'm sorry to say Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes, okay, this is what I was talking about. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the binds dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Why is it that nobody has made a movie about Samson? Samson? <laughs> Jeez. Why, Why is it that there's not, like, there's not a good movie, that a film that has been made about? Because this is so interesting. Can you imagine the, like, the action? The ki oh, Okay, I'm not a fan of killing and watching action films but it's interesting right yeah okay so he kills them then samson said with a donkey's jawbone i have made donkeys of them there's a footnote here or i've made a heap or two the hebrew for donkey sounds like the hebrew for heap so with a donkey's jawbone, I have made a heap of them. So this is double entendre, right? A play on words. With a donkey's jawbone, I've made, I've, made, I've made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. Oh, that's a, a poem. Donkey's jawbone. And again, this is also like death. He's touching a dead animal's bone. 
this is so he's using death <gasps> he's using death to overpower the death that was coming to kill him the land that was coming to kill him the philistine the same way jesus i i honestly i don't want to say like i'm reading into this again because that i'm just saying what has come to mind okay the same way jesus you see how samson you samson how samson uses death to overpower death jesus uses his death to overpower death he's like look look at this hand look at this hand ha psych he shows them the other hand you know it's like anyway it's a trick Verse 17, when he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and the place was called Ramath Lehi. Ramath Lehi means jawbone hill. Wow. Verse 18, because he was very thirsty, who else was thirsty while he was fighting? Because Jesus on the cross, it's a battle. Jesus on the, oh, why is my stomach painting? Jesus was thirsty on the cross. Okay. Let me continue reading. Because he was thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. Water coming down from a rock. Okay, okay, we are not told this is the rock, right? But it's interesting because Lehi is the place of the rock, the that place where I had that the the cave of the rock something. And then water comes down. But this is funny. Also it's like a, a double entendre thing, a play on narratives, play on words, because remember, for the water to come down from to come out of the rock in Exodus, it is the Israelites that that um to the sea complained and i think samson is complaining now i mean the spirit of the lord has come upon you samson to to overpower the philistines and you think you'll die of thirst you see like that's like a thing like why would you even think you die of thirst if you can see god is on your side god is using you So that's interesting. I think I think this is not a good thing. Him because Jesus did not say like he is thirsty so for him to be given water because he was when he was thirsty he was given vinegar if I'm not wrong, right? Vinegar, something vinegar. That was not quenching thirst. Was it helpful? Was vinegar, let me google. Does vinegar help thirst? Quench thirst? Quench thirst? <clears throat> Or for like a body that is beaten, does it help in any way? He also knows who is this? Drinking vinegars, quartzobsession.com. He also knows that vinegar drinks don't just quench thirst they also stoke the appetite saliva production signals to the stomach that food is on the way 
which is why shrubs are a perfect cocktail to prepare you for <clears throat> a night of fine dining. Vinegar helps to quench thirst. Can you drink vinegar to hydrate? <clears throat> Apple cider vinegar can boost your electrolytes, energy, and hydration when served on the old fashioned drink switcher. Why should you drink apple cider? Does. Huh. Huh. I'm just seeing benefits of vinegar in this weekend. But when it comes to thirst, is this a thing? A time-tested thirst-quenching favorite. Others have... Okay. Okay, maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's a thing. So am I saying Jesus was complaining on the, on the cross? <laughs> I don't know. No, Jesus is not complaining. But you see what I, why I'm saying? Like Jesus is like the. Well, let me go and close the curtains from the room. I'm coming back. I'll be back. I think this is a pl nice place to pause. I was asking myself whether I'm, I'm actually, if I'm comparing Samson to Jesus, let me drink some water. Am I saying that Jesus was completely? And I don't think, like, of course, Jesus was not complaining, but I was talking about how Jesus is like the, the, the culmination that's a word Cindy. culmination culmination meaning 
The highest or climatic point of something, especially as attained after a long time. The pinnacle, the peak, the high point, the summit. Consummation, completion. Yeah, so Jesus is the culmination of this narrative of, I think, because I've been seeing Jesus in this narrative, like almost, I keep pausing and say, oh, I'm seeing something tied to Jesus. Oh, and it's not only Samson. I think a new word for some new name for Samson will be Samson, because I keep on saying Samson. Um, it's not only in this narrative in Samson, Samson's life, but in every other narrative in the Old Testament, we keep seeing a glimpse of Christ. And that's what I'm saying. I think Jesus, I don't think, Jesus does say like everything. Um, he comes to fulfill everything that was talked about him, everything that was said about him. He's the one who comes to fulfill, right? Because he's a pioneer, he comes to fulfill, he comes to, to lead. But then he comes to show the way. And by that, he's answering, he's, he's, he's um, fulfilling all the prophecies. Because a prophecy, prophecy doesn't have to be prophet so-and-so says A, B, C, D, and that's a prophecy. Somebody's life can be a prophecy, can prophesy to something. Like Samson's life, a part of Samson's life, is prophesying to Christ. Some a part of David's life is prophesying to Christ, and even not even I can't even say like a part. Like there are narratives like even the negative part of, say David, is pointing to Christ in that. The same way David sometimes become the offspring of the snake, Jesus comes to overpower and rule over and kill the snake. Right, the same way I can choose to become an offspring of the snake and Jesus has told me to 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 what's this word to carry my cross meaning to <clears throat> lay down my life also you know to 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 sacrifice to um to to sacrifice my I want to say desires, but there's something like to offer my body as a living sacrifice to God. Now this is the, uh, we're told the sacrifice that we're supposed to offer to God should be a good sacrifice. I'm not offering sins to God. So my I'm not offering my desires to God as sacrifice. I'm offering my life, pure, holy, righteous life. But my righteousness is not because of my good works. It's because of Christ's righteousness. And it's because of him and the power, the power of the Holy Spirit, my teacher, that I can then live out that holy life. And that my service becomes the good works that I'm offering to God. But now I'm talking about this. <clears throat> I'm talking about... Um, where was I going with this? What was I talking about? Jesus is a culmination. Jesus says that everything in the Old Testament was pointing to Christ's and his mission. Meaning even the sons of Belial, the sons of the offspring of the snake, the sons of the devil, 
Canaan, the lion, Philistine, Egypt, you know, when they are portrayed to be siding with the princes of the, the gods of Egypt, the gods of Canaan, the gods, those, when they side with that, it's still pointing to how Jesus comes and overpowers the death, the lion, the 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 Satan and his offspring. You see? And Jesus tells us that we can because because he has or he has pioneered, because he is the first fruits, because he has already gotten victory over death, we can now walk in his footsteps. He is going ahead of us, right? We can now we are the we are the troops that are following the king in battle. And the battle has already been won. It's like Moses lifting up his hands and God telling Moses, if you put down your hand your arms, your people will right down there where Joshua is, they will not win this battle. But you need to keep holding up your arm and then the sun will not set. Like that entire thing. I'm seeing it as a rigged thing. It's rigged, meaning all Moses has to do is okay i don't know how that's like I, i'm not saying it's immediately tied to jesus and him having power over death and us going into battle having already won but i'm just seeing that moses narrative kind of shining like a light <laughs> here because the sun did not set but because like can you imagine all they had to do was hold up Moses' arms. And the people will, will win. See that's a rigged fight. That's what I mean when I say rigged fight. Meaning God has that power. And that power has been. Has been proven. Has been revealed in Christ. Fully revealed in Christ. Meaning he has power over death he has already won the battle now we are supposed to walk in walk in step with the spirit we're supposed to walk in christ's footsteps right while we head to battle because he has told us the same way i overcame death that's the same way you will overcome death the same way i overcame the devil that's the same way you will overcome the devil the same way i overcame the devil and his minions it's the same way you will overcome the devil and his minions, his children. So, what did I read here? Yeah, so I'm just when I when I thought when I read because he was dusty and I read about him asking God for water to drink. I tied that to Jesus being thirsty on the cross and asking for something to drink. But one thing, okay, yes, Jesus was given vinegar. But also, you remember what Jesus said, like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is it also, one, there is somewhere in the Old Testament, I think it's Psalms, Psalms, where it says, like, why have you forsaken me? But also, I think, I think there's a car thing here there's a thread here with samson because samson is kind of saying one jesus knows that god has not forsaken him 
Jesus already knows the plan. Because I think Samson knows the plan. Again, I haven't finished reading the narrative. But all this time I thought Samson did not know like God's plan was to fight the Philistines. And I only thought that because he was blinded and then eventually he got tied up and stuff like that. That was what made him angry and then like the Lord overpowered him and then he overtook like God used him to defeat the Philistines. But it looks like he kind of knows that the Philistines are go- like God is going to because that was what is that was I think he does he does because that is what was prophesied to him to his parents that your child is the one who's going to defeat the Philistines He's, he will deliver your people from the hand of the Philistines so Samson knew that he was the deliverer hence the battle with the Philistines so he kept on finding a chance to attack the Philistines. Interesting. So when Jesus said on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. I think, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One, he is pointing to the narrative in Isaiah, Psalms. Because that's the same, I think it's Isaiah 53, I'm a Psalms 90 something. My God, my God, my God, why have you? Psalms 22. Psalms 22. And I remember reading, should I go? Okay, James, John. I remember reading Psalms 22 and seeing like it's talking about, it's like pointing to Jesus. Okay, Psalms 22 verse 1, verse 3. Okay, no. Psalms 22, my God, my God, oh, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am worn. I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people all who see me mock me they hurl insults shaking their heads he trusts in the lord they say let him let the lord rescue him let him deliver him he delights in him you see this is what the mockers were saying to jesus on the cross that's what i'm saying when jesus quotes psalms 22 verse 1 and these people the jews were seeped into their 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 into cramming and reading their holy scriptures. So of course they knew he was quoting. Okay, maybe not all of them. Some of them probably got the hint like, yo, he's quoting Psalms, chapter 22. And then in the same Psalms, chapter 22, the people are literally saying the same things that these people here in Psalms 22 are saying. The people at the feet of the cross, the mockers, 
telling Jesus or you call yourself the son of God tell tell God to 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 um to free you to save you this is Psalms 22 verse 7 all who see me mock me they hurl insults shaking their heads they trust he trusts in the Lord they say let the Lord rescue him let him deliver him since he delights in him yet you brought me out of the womb you made me trust in you even at my mother's breast from birth i was cast on you from my mother's womb you have been my god do not be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help me many bulls oh, lion okay many bulls surround me strong strong men strong bulls of bashan encircle me roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me i am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint see how this is what jesus like what happened with jesus is the beating that happened my heart has turned to wax it has melted within me my mouth is dried my mouth is dry he's thirsty my mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Who else was pierced? If not Jesus. That's why Jesus quotes. Literally on the cross, Jesus quotes this psalm. That's why I'm not that's why I'm saying Jesus was not complaining and Jesus of course did Jesus Jesus of course knew God had not abandoned him like he would resurrect he kept on saying I'm going to die and resurrect I'm going to die and he knew he would resurrect he knew all this was part of the plan but he was pointing to this so that he tells the people everything that is written about in the old testament is pointing to me hence why I'm linking Samson to Jesus saying, even the fast thing, even the people handing his his own people handing him over to the Philistines, that's pointing to Christ also. You know, that's what I'm saying. There's a tie to there's a there's a there's a way that they're pointing to Christ because Christ is a culmination of all these prophecies. You see that even what David was writing in Psalms. The Psalms that David was writing. So he continues and says, verse 16, Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They dive, they divide my clothes among them. This is literally what happened with Jesus. And cast lots for my garment. See how the soldiers casted lots for Christ's garment? Verse 19, but you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dogs, a.k.a. the lions. Oh, lions. Verse 19, verse 21, rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. So when I start saying, is there a correlation between Samson and Israelites and Jesus when it comes to lion, the killing of the lion, hence finding honey in the lion. I think there is. Verse 22. 
I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him. You see, who is the afflicted one? It's Christ is the afflicted one. The person that is mentioned in Psalms 22, the person writing this psalm says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. Why? For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. This is why I'm saying this is prophesying to Christ and what Christ does on the cross. Christ saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christ knows that he has not been forsaken. He has not been despised by God and he has not been scorned by God. You know, so even the psalmist is saying, God has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. The cry of the afflicted one has been heard by God. The same way Samson's cry was heard by God. Jesus' cry was heard by God on the cross. Verse 25, from you comes the theme of, of my praise in the great assembly before those who fear you i will fulfill my vows jesus says it is finished verse 26 the poor will eat and be satisfied those who seek the lord will praise him may your hearts live forever all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust, the realm of the dead, will kneel before him. How will those who go down to the dust kneel before him? The resurrection. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. It is finished. Whose name is proclaimed to nations now? Whose names, whose, whose, whose righteousness is proclaimed to nations? Jesus' righteousness. The gospel of the good news. The gospel is the good news. That's the same thing. So the good news of Christ, the testimony of Christ is proclaimed to future generations. And he, the person, the afflicted one here is called the Lord. It's beautiful. It's, this is Psalms. This, these are years, 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 close to maybe a hundred years, maybe. Before Christ is born, Wait, let me Google. How many years um no um 
how, how do I ask this question? I want to know between David and and Jesus, how many years? How do I ask the question? How many years are there between David? And Jesus, uh, <clears throat> let's look at Cora. Let us see how many years are there between David and Jesus. How many years are there between? Okay, David. This is just somebody who was answering. Former statistician, over thirty years experience. Other has okay. So how many years? David born. 1040 king of judah around 1010 okay jesus born somewhere between 6 and 4 bc dead in 30 or 33 if the crucifixion was on friday so the math systems there is no zero in this year ad counting so 1040 plus 33 minus 1 about 1072 years max estimate 970 minus 6 uh-huh 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 so there's a lot of maths happening 1040 to 970 plus infinity, infinite years in eschatological value. Okay, so like there are thousand, like close to a thousand years. A thousand? Wait, what am I reading? Really? How many generations between David and Jesus? <clears throat> huh. Approximately the approximate dates for David are ten thirty five. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So between dates of birth approximately ten thirty years. So a thousand and thirty years. Between dates of death. 990 years and i was saying 100 years wow oh yeah 100 nikidogo <laughs> 100 nikidogo 100 is like a grand grandparent yes so it's like me saying the grandparent of of jesus is david yeah that doesn't make sense okay so like a thousand wow about 24 generations there are 49 generations between Abraham and Jesus Christ. And David is about halfway. Okay, that is interesting. So I wanted to ask, like, the psalmist wrote this in, like, David's time. It's either David or a psalmist wrote this. And Jesus comes a thousand and thirty plus years later and fulfills this prophecy. It's beautiful. Let me go back to Joshua. Judges, chapter 19. Was I 19? No, I wasn't in 19. What was I? 15. Okay, let me continue reading. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So, because he was very thirsty, verse 18, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory, but I now, must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God poured 
opened up the hollow place in Lehigh, Belch, and water came out of it. Then Samson drank. His strength returned, and he revived. So the spring was called En Hakore, and Hakore means Kola's spring. And it is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel, judged Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. <clears throat> Samson and Delilah. One day, Samson went to Gaza <clears throat> where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. This is why I'm saying Samson is like not living up to like his Nazarite vow. And as like a judge. Wait, at this point is Samson the judge? Yeah, because he doesn't he can't judge when he dies. So he's a judge of the Israelites and he's sleeping with prostitutes. So it's like one of those kings who did not follow God. But then he's used by God. Like, wow, okay. One day Samson went to Gaza <clears throat> where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all day at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn, we will kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with... Wait, <laughs> hold up. So there are people trying to kill him, and they wait still morning but he wakes up in the middle of the night and steals a gate okay to the top of the hill okay <clears throat> verse 4 wait maybe I am reaching maybe Hapana reach but what is Hebron? Let me search Hebron. Hebron, Jesus. Is there a title Jesus and Hebron? What is the significance of Hebron in the Bible? God questions. <clears throat> the ancient city of Hebron, today called Al-Khalil in Arabic, was located approximately... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hebron is significant in the Bible for a couple of reasons. Hebron is the first mention in Genesis 13, 18, a place where Abram, later known as Abraham, traveled after parting company with his nephew Lot. At Hebron, the Lord first showed Abram the land that would belong to him huh, and his offspring. Later, after the death of King Saul, God told David to go to Hebron and it became the city where David ruled over Judah for seven years because at that time the Jebusites controlled Jerusalem. After his wife Sarah died, Abram still lived in Hebron, which belonged to the Hittites. He wanted to bury Sarah there, so he approached a man. Okay, okay, okay. He bought land. This cave, this cave in Hebron is also called Keriah. 
Ah, Arba is a cave. So afterward, Abram buried his wife in the cave. Okay. Okay. The land of Hebron was part of the allotment Joshua gave to Caleb. Hebron became the capital of Judah. Okay. Okay. The reason why I wanted to see if there's a connection. Let me actually scroll down. Just scroll down. I was so impatient. Okay. Hebron. <clears throat> okay, so this is just what I, I said. The fact that like he carried. Okay, maybe I'm I'm reaching. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> maybe I'm reaching. I don't know. Judges chapter sixteen verse four. <clears throat> sometime later, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said. See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Hold up. I know how this ends, but wasn't the Holy Spirit the secret of his strength? Because he always had long hair, but he didn't always have strength. It was when the Holy Spirit overpowered him, came upon him, not overpowered, when the Holy Spirit came upon him that he got the strength. Or did he take the seat, the, the, pull the, the gates with the Holy, I don't know. Because eventually they cut off the hair and he loses his strength. Wow, there's so many things I don't know. So where was I? Uh, Delilah. Okay, so see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. <laughs> Ah, that's so on the nose. Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. Wait, how did Samson allow Delilah to tie him? Twanze apple. One, she's a woman. Meaning she doesn't have as much strength as the man. Easily can be overpowered by the man's strength. Two, it's Samson we're dealing with. Verse 8. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Oh, okay. So she's explaining. Okay. Huh? She called him Samson. The Philistines are upon you. But, oh, okay. So she, maybe she, maybe he was asleep or something. 
So with the men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snaps the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps, and it came close to a flame. <clears throat> when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. <clears throat> Let me pause and drink some water. My throat is dry and thirsty. Intense. Okay. So he snaps the, <clears throat> the strings. Verse 10. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. <laughs> oh, gosh. Verse 11. He said, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll be as weak as any other man. Verse 12. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them then with men hidden in the room she called to him samson the philistines are upon you but he snapped the ropes off him as they were threads delilah then said to samson all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me tell me how you can be tied <laughs> why would anyone do that why would anyone tell you and why are you so like why do you want to tie me up are these not i think um, I hope Samson should have like asked himself these questions. But the fact that eventually he told her the truth, knowing for a fact that she had been tying him up, is something else. I don't know. Okay. He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pin I'll become as weak as any other man so while he was sleeping Delilah took the seven bra braids of his head wove them into the fabric and tightened it with the pin again she called him Samson the Philistines are upon you Kwanza the fact that has Did Samson ask her why you keep lying to me that the Philistines are upon me? And why do you keep tying me? <laughs> oh man, that's sad. It's actually sad. So, uh, the Philistines are upon you. He woke, he awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, <clears throat> How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. <laughs> oh, there's this proverb that says about the nagging wife. Nagging <clears throat> wife Bible verses. This is one I know. Proverbs 21 verse 9. Better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. <laughs> Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Delilah became the nagging wife. Um, so, he told her everything. <laughs> because she nagged 
Okay. Let me continue reading. So he told her everything. <clears throat> no razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as Nila. Okay, I think now I understand. Maybe. Maybe I'm seeing why the head shaving is tied to the Holy Spirit not coming upon him again. I think, although this is not of, no, I wanted to say, I think the reason why the Holy Spirit came upon him was, was because he was a Nazarite. He was set apart like that. But considering the fact that Samson did not live a right, quote-unquote righteous life, I don't think that was the reason. Because there are people who were not Nazarites, but the Holy Spirit came upon them to fulfill an, a task. But they were not Nazarites. Again, I know Jesus said the Holy Spirit blows wherever he wills. It's like the wind. He goes wherever he wills. So he has a will. He does whatever he wills. Um, so... Again, how is the shaving of the head tied to the power? So, so he says, if, you sh if my head was shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines <clears throat> returned with silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. How asleep was he that he didn't feel his hair being shaved? Okay. And so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. <clears throat> And she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. So the Holy Spirit was, was not coming upon him. Hmm. Hmm. Now you see this is different from Jesus' narrative. <coughs> My voice is This is different from Jesus' narrative. Jesus allowed the people to take him. He literally allowed to be led to his death. Excuse me, yawning. But Samson did not. Hmm. So, <clears throat> verse 21, Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Wow. They gouged out his eyes. They gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. 
But the hair on his his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. What? (sighs) He was blind. How does the blind overpower the land? Was Samson given eyes to see? Let me continue reading. Because that's the answer. How the blind overpower the land. They're given eyes to see. So, verse 23. Okay, that's my answer. Verse 23. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god. Is Dagon the same as Baal? Is Dagon, Dagon, the same as Baal? However, in the epithet, Baal, son of Dagon. Baal is not equivalent to Dagon as he is represented in relation to names Hadu but it is said to be Dagon's son. Are Dagon and Baal the same? The prevailing view today (coughs) is that Dagon was a fertility deity related to grain. Hence they were grinding grain. So related to grain and agriculture. In some cultures, he may have been identical with Baal or Hadad. However, some authorities regarded regarded him as a type of mm, Maman figure or fish deity. Ah, fish deity of the sea peoples. Most popular images of him portray Dagon in this vein, as a half man, half fish. Okay. Interesting. So the Philistines are worshipping Dagon. <laughs> the the Nini, it may come to mind. Starbucks logo. The mermaid logo. So, now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson. Our oh, hold up. Our enemy into our hands. Okay, 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 okay. I'm seeing a relation here with Samson and Jesus. Samson and Jesus. You see how Jesus died? And the rulers those who delivered him up to death the jews the um the the, the roman army and the prince the, the the spiritual powers and rulers and authorities they literally thought jesus had died they thought they thought they had they had um overpowered jesus the son of god hence why they were mocking him on the cross save yourself ha 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 Right? It's the voice of the devil. So these people 
were so happy and excited they were offering sacrifices to their god Dagon, saying, oh, God has delivered Samson and our enemy into our hands. So I'm imagining in Hades and in the realm of the spirits of the dead and in <clears throat> Satan's kingdom, they are so excited saying, oh, Nini, um, Jesus has been delivered into our hands. But verse 24, when the people saw him, they praised their God saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, our small g God. The one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. The same way Jesus came and started overpowering and tying up the strong man, right? And, and casting out demons, meaning he was fighting the kingdom of darkness. So when Jesus died, they were like, oh, fuchs. <laughs> we are like he's done pestering us verse 25 while they were in high spirits <clears throat> they shouted bring out Samson to entertain us so they called Samson, Samson out of the prison and he performed for them when they stood him among the pillars oh so he didn't have eyes when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the central, towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Yo. It's like Jesus saying, <clears throat> it is better for me to die and resurrect and go to heaven, ascend to the Father, so that the Holy Spirit can come because you will perform even more miracles than I have, meaning you will be an even bigger menace to the kingdom of the darkness than I have while I'm on earth right now. Because the power of God will be in you. The power that I have will be in you. My spirit will be in you. I'll be in each and every one of you at the same time. Right now, I'm flesh. Right now, I'm flesh. I can't be in each and every one of you. But by my spirit, I will be in you. 
and you will have power to rule and have dominion. And you will have power to, to trample on snakes and scorpions. You'll have power to kill the lion when I ascend, when I die and resurrect. It's because of Jesus' death, right? As a sacrifice, a pure lamb and his resurrection. The overpowering death that gives us life, gives us the strength and power to subdue. To rule and subdue. Thus, Samson killed many more when he died than when he lived. Verse 31. That's just something I think I'm seeing there. Might not be there. Might not be what was intended. But just seeing something that Jesus. Verse 31. Then his brothers and his father's whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zora and Eshtao in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel 20 years. Then his brothers and his father's family, whole family went down. They went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zora and Eshtao. I'm remembering how Joseph of Arimathea, Joseph of, and, and, um, and, um, Nick, Nicodemus, they went and took Jesus' body and buried it. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. <clears throat> Bible verse okay, it's not bringing me anything Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea Bible verse <clears throat> John chapter 19 verse 39 to 40 Joseph oh. Joseph and Nicodemus took the body and bound it in linen clothes with the spices, myrrh and aloes. Okay, yeah. So, <clears throat> I think that's it. When it comes to Samson, <laughs> I think today's study was all about Samson and this lion thing and honey. I didn't think it would be like the main topic. So when it comes to frontline. Okay, actually, is this even frontline? Because I was thinking, you see how Samson is taken to the temple. <clears throat> and that's where he defeats the people. He's taken to to the fight like he's literally taken he's surrounded by bulls of Bashan he's surrounded by the lions and the dogs surround him it's like Psalm Strange too right and that's where he overpowers them it's like he goes to the front line 
right? So when it comes to David and the frontline thing, <clears throat> I was I wanted to read where David goes to the frontline to fight Goliath. That's something I saw with David. Like, um, excuse me, in my belch. When David is taking the meals to his brothers, and his brothers are are um, sitting with their armies, and they are afraid on which troops are going to to um you know to take take on Goliath but then David is the one who goes to the front line and volunteers himself takes the lead to fight Goliath like Samson saying <clears throat> oh oh another connection with Samson and Jesus Samson gives of his life to overpower the Philistines. Samson says, <clears throat> let me die. Let me die. In Hebrews, we see a place where Jesus talks to the father and says, sacrifices of bulls and goats you did not please you, but a body you prepared for me. Right? Let me Google that. <clears throat> sacrifices of bulls you did not desire okay autocorrect nani letter is it really autocorrect auto nini you did not desire by verse or psalms psalms chapter 40 verse 6 sacrifice and offerings thou did not desire mine okay psalms 40 verse 6 let me open first psalms 40 verse 6 I did not know it was in the Psalms. I knew it was in Hebrews somewhere. Psalms 40 verse 6. Oh yeah, Hebrews quotes this. <clears throat> Let me scroll and see. Please don't trust me. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me. It sounds like Samson also in Jesus. One, yes, Jesus fulfills it, but I'm from reading Samson. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, the prison, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders, wonders, Pele, Pili, the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. You're uncomparable. Were I, were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. You see Jesus saying, telling his disciples in Luke that the entire testament is written about him. Even in Psalms, a 
body you prepared for me. Oh yeah, so here, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire. <clears throat> but my ears you have opened. There's a footnote. Hebrew, some Septuagint manuscripts write, but a body you have prepared for me. Yeah, I am leaning closer to like a body you have prepared for me. Because that's what Hebrews quotes. <clears throat> yeah. Ooh. Uh, I proclaim your saving. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. Ooh, Samson. And I cannot see. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm seeing Samson. Should I write a note? Let me write this note. Samson. Wow. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. And I cannot see. You see when I was saying. How do the blind overpower this? The, the lion. Wow. It continues and says, they are more than the hairs of my head, connecting Samson and hair, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. Be pleased to save me. You see how Samson pleaded with God, please. You know, oh my gosh, verse 14. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be, be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. This is Samson. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Oof, I love this. The fact that I've just come to read that and I was expecting to read Hebrews and that has pointed to Samson. Okay, so it's Hebrews 10, 4 to 10, 4 to 8. Hebrews 10, chapter 8. Okay, Hebrews 10. It's in Hebrews 10. I'm not going to read Hebrews 10 because they're quoting from here. So that's beautiful, right? I love that. So why was I talking about? I was talking about Jesus offering. Okay, the same way Samson says, let me die. Like, use me. Use my body. Let me die. So that we can, we can, you can deliver us from the Philistines. Use me as a deliverer. Jesus saying, a body you prepared for me. Use my body. To kill me. Use me as a sacrifice. Right? Wow, so that's so interesting. So Samson goes to the front line. Where his enemies are. And he sacrifices himself. 
And that's how he delivers. That's how the blind man delivers his people from the hand of the Philistine. Wow. Wow. Jesus comes to give sight to the blind. <clears throat> so with David's case, that's such a, that's something. I thought I was going to study these things with David and Deborah. I'm just going to list them because I I think Samson was a good study today. So David goes to the front line to fight Goliath. I've written David. That's a good thing that he does, right? The neighbors. I don't know if it can be hard, but I think it's the children who are like playing so they're like some footsteps but okay so the good thing there's a positive side to david right so he fights goliath he wins with god's power but then there's this other side where he doesn't go to war that's what that's the note i I wrote down like david did not go to war and that's the time where he saw Bathsheba showering on the roof right so the one time he doesn't go to the front line to battle as the kings battled went to war that's the one time he he um how did say collapsed not collapsed he he fell <clears throat> let me just use fell that's the one time he fell it's not the only time but it's a time that he fell where he wasn't on the front lines that's just something i'm i'm i'm, I'm noting maybe it's something I've also written down David asking God if he'll give them victory if they go fight. I think David was also fighting the Philistines. And then God tells David if he goes, the Lord's army, like tells David to wait for him until he hears the Lord's army um, riding, the, the horses and the chariots riding in the top of the trees. And then... It's like the go. Look, oh, I'm going to search for that. The Lord goes ahead. The Lord's army first goes ahead to fight, to prepare a way, and then David comes. Ooh, perfect. Um, David waiting for the Lord's army. Bible verse. <clears throat> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, David inquiring of the Lord, yeah. David's nine inquiries. Where is this though? Samuel chapter 23. And to see about the Lord. Let me scroll and see. I think it's the last inquiry. Sixth, seventh, eighth inquiry, ninth. Okay, let me peruse and see the Lord's army. Okay, so it's not the last one. Mm-hmm. For, the, for then the Lord will go out before you to strike camp. When was this? Why is this? Second Samuel chapter 5 verse 22 to 25. So with this, I think from this study... God is the one who goes to the front line. God is the king who goes to the front line to prepare a way for his troops. We are the troops. For 
first God goes to the front line and, he, and then he calls us up to the front line. Because we will be the, the, um, the king and his troops are the ones fighting. But that's the point. First it's the king who goes to the front line. It's the king leading. Where was I going? Second Kings chapter 5 verse 22. <clears throat> Samuel. Second Samuel. Not Kings. Second Samuel chapter 5 verse 22. Yeah, it's the Philistines. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Second Samuel chapter 5 verse 22. Once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord and he answered. This is how the Lord goes ahead, right? Do not go straight up. This is the Lord answering David. Do not go straight up. Excuse me. But circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear. Oh, is this tied to the hearing thing? <laughs> the question one. But the question one, the hearing was like the trumpets and the thunder and the smoke. But who knows? Maybe the Lord's army came with thunder. Because like how, how, um, how um, this guy, Elisha, prayed to God to open the eyes of his servants so that he can see the Lord's army that were riding on fiery chariots. Maybe the sound of the Lord's army sounds like thunder and trumpets. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking. I've, I've just read um, when you hear the sound. Actually, there's a sound. There's a sound of marching. When you hear the sound of marching in the top of the poplar trees, way up in the top of the poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gaza. So that's something I wrote down, how God goes to the front. You see, that will mean that the Lord has got, gone out in the front, in front of you. God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. You see how even this is acting. This is God going out in battle. This is literally what happens. Right? The reason why I was saying, I started this by saying, I don't know if there's like chunk and meat in this this frontline story. is because I usually go in the study also wanting to understand how God wants me to live out these studies on a daily basis how do i use wisdom to work out what i am learning to live out what i am learning you know like what am i supposed to understand that i need to use on my daily life and and think about in my daily life and obey in my daily like that right so I didn't necessarily see it pointing to me, this study. Meaning, there wasn't like, okay, this is a practical thing now you need to understand as a follower of Christ or something. When it comes to you, this is what you're supposed to do. 
right? It was more pointing to Jesus. Like, for you to win this fight, for you to, 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 um, to plunder the strong man's house and harvest honey, right? You need, you need, you need your king. You need to understand the role your king plays. So even when it's looking bad in my current reality, again, I have a life <laughs> outside of these hour-long recordings, as everybody does. So there are things happening. There are battles that we are fighting day in, day out. Spiritual battles that we are fighting. And the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces, powers and rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms. So how do I fight a spiritual battle if I am blind to the spiritual? That's a good tie. I did not mean to do that. But as a blind person to the spiritual realm, how do I fight the lion if it's spiritual? I need spiritual eyes i need the spirit of god to come upon me to give me strength to fight that which i cannot see i need to follow the path that has been prepared for me by my king who has gone in front of me the same way god tells david move quickly when you hear as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the top of the poplar trees Move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. Meaning there is a time, there is a perfect time to strike. I don't just need to move however. I can just make moves however I want. There is a perfect time to strike. So I need first to understand and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit when he tells me, fight now oh, I think I, uh, I'll pray no not pray I'll read one example of how the Holy Spirit goes in front and tells me to fight it has come to mind right now it's a it's a dream it's not a dream It's it happens okay it's one of those moments when it, uh, it doesn't usually happen or it doesn't always happen while uh, I'm dreaming or at night but it's something I can read because I usually write down my dreams right so not really dreams but my experiences also so it's something tied to that because God goes first in the front line and then calls me the troop to come and join him meaning I have work to do right so let me actually read that. So I've, re I've talked about David. I've talked about uh, this part I had read. The kings, the kings of the time. These are the kings I was talking about. The kings, even medieval kings. The kings used to go to the front line and lead their troops to battle. I've written, Jesus goes to the front line and leads his disciples to battle and victory. To battle and receive victory. He is the first to die and resurrect from the dead. We, his disciples, can now die and 
can now experience the resurrection from death because Jesus is the first fruits. Jesus is the forerunner and pioneer of our faith. About Deborah, this is what I wrote down. Although with Deborah, I wasn't exactly sure because I haven't also studied it that much. But I just, maybe there's something here. The general Barak, the, the lead, the captain Barak, tells Deborah that he will not go into battle if Deborah does not go with her. Actually, let me Google that and see if I remember that correctly. Oh, my voice in Alakuchoka. Deborah and Barak. Uh, God spoke to Deborah telling Barak to lead. Okay. Judges chapter 4 verse 6 to 7. Judges chapter 4 verse 6 to 7. The reason why I'm I'm, I'm delaying Kidogo when he can't, not delaying, like I am I'm saying like, oh, this Deborah thing, I'm not exactly sure. It's because even though Barak, I'm going to read, but Barak eventually, when, no, when Barak tells Deborah that he's not going to go if she, because she is like the king, she's a queen, she's a judge, right? If the, the queen doesn't go with them, I don't know if it's a positive thing that that happens, because it's supposed to be like, okay, we'll go. But Deborah kind of says like, okay, we will go and you will receive victory, but it will not be with your hand. You will receive victory from a woman. So I don't know if that's a negative thing that happens or it's a positive thing that happens. The fact that Barak tells Deborah to go with her, with him. Because yes, he is like the leader of the army and stuff like that. But then Deborah is the judge. He's, she's the queen. So the same way the kings used to go over the front line. I believe Barak is telling Deborah the same because God will go with. Maybe she. Maybe he believed because Deborah is going to go. I don't know. That's why I'm saying I'm not exactly sure with this Deborah story. But let me scroll and see. Judges chapter 4. Okay. Judges chapter 4 verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now the Ehud was dead. Now that Ehud was dead, Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Horosheth Hagoim, because he had nine hundred char what nine hundred because he had nine hundred chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly cruelly oppressed the Israelites for twenty years. They cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She cried, "Is leading judging?" There's a footnote. Verse 5, she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you ten thousand men of Naphtali and Zebulun, Zebulun and lead them to the Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jebin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River 
and give him into your hands. Okay. That's what the Lord says. Now Barak said, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Now this reminds me of Moses. That's why Moses is in my notes. Let me read what I've written with Moses. I've written, Moses on Mount Sinai tells God that they will not go if the Lord does not go ahead of them, with them. Yeah, the Lord goes ahead of the Israelites in a cloud and a fire and fights and protects them. That's another note. But you see how Barak's saying, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you do not go with me, I will not go. Sounds like a positive thing, right? Because that's the same thing Moses told God. We need you at the front line. We can't go without you. Verse 9, certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the cause you are taking. Hmm, she gives a reason. What does that mean? The cause you are taking. But because of the cause you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. Yeah. Then verse 14, Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Ooh. Perfect. This is what I'm saying. The entire study. The reason why I was not seeing something neat is because I was, I, I was. It's like, uh, it's like, nilikuwa sana. Kupata like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. But I think today God is just reminding me, and making me aware of like, Nanini, you need to be aware of who is at the front line. Who is your God? Who is the one going ahead of you? So whatever issue you're facing right now, you need to understand God has already gone ahead of you. So the what the steps that you're going to take, you're taking steps in victory, knowing that your God has already gone ahead of you and it's already done. So obey. It's like Jesus asking, asking like, okay, uh, I don't remember exactly, but it's like, even though your father in heaven knows what you need, that's the more even reason to ask. <laughs> even though your father knows all the things you need, then ask. It's like, then what's stopping you from asking if God already knows what you need? So it's like, you already know, you already know who's at the front line. You already know the battle has been won. So fight. That's the, the same thing. You already know the battle has been won because of who went to the, went ahead of you. So Nanini, Fight. Fight knowing that you already received the victory. Fight knowing that you already received the pomegranate tree. The huge pomegranate tree. It's already yours. So walk in step with the spirit. I think that's the same thing. Right? Okay. So Barak. Then Deborah, verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has the Lord, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tamor 
Tabor with 10,000 men following him. Following him. At Barak at Barak's advance, the Lord rooted excuse me, Belch, the Lord rooted Sisera and all his chariots and the army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Yeah. So that's something I wanted to read. When it comes to Deborah. Oh yeah. I think I'm done with the study. So I am going to read Uh, okay i'm going to read um the dream it's not really a dream you'll you'll see what i'm reading <laughs> what will i search what will i search praying praying there are several things that happen like this okay this was this year but days this year last year this is something that god has been doing to me waking me up to pray literally waking me up to pray right that's what i'm saying it's not like something happens and then god tells me oops not like ah yeah i know it has already happened to you so let's pray now it's like in advance god wakes god tells me to fight in advance because he has already gone ahead of me you know so let me give an example this is like the is it the latest one but okay it's april 15th 2023 let me scroll okay so I have given a name to whoever I'm praying for. I've been asked to pray for. But I'm not going to give the name or the gender or it will give away whoever it is. So I'm just going to use terms like child or sibling or what do I call them? So and so. Maybe I'll call them so and so. <laughs> um, yeah, like that. No, no. Uh, or them. I'll try to not give away whoever it is. So this is April 15th, 2023. I've woken up. This is at 3. 3.39. Actually, I, I started writing this. So let me actually, the first 3.45 a.m. Yeah, I started writing it at 3. Uh, I sent my first draft because I was sending it before I forget and then like I've, I kept on adding to the message, the message. Okay, it's okay. So, let me read. It's a long one. It's a long one. <laughs> I've woken up at 3.20 something. I believe God wants me to pray for so and so. God, I don't know if today's dream was a message from you or just a normal dream. But I, but I did dream about a female hovering over the ceiling. Let me explain that. It was like a dark entity, but I knew it was a female entity. By entity, I mean it's like, it's, it wasn't a being. It was like dark, thick smoke hovering over the ceiling. 
but it looked feminine. Like I just knew, I just knew this is a female entity, if I can call it an entity, right? So that's what I mean by hovering over the ceiling. It was like, it's like, you see, when I look up the ceiling right now, I'm just seeing white, the white ceiling. But if, say, the ceiling is transparent and a leaf falls on the transparent roof and the ceiling, the leaf is not necessarily in the house, but it's on top of the ceiling, right? So in the dream, it's like the ceiling was transparent and that entity was not in the house, but above the ceiling, like on, like it was not, it, it was not inside the house, but above, like the leaf that is resting on the transparent ceiling, that being was like there. Okay. That's a contest, the context that's needed. So I woke up again at 3.20 something. I believe God wants me to be praying for so-and-so. God, I don't know if today's dream was a message from you or just a normal dream, but I did dream about a female hovering over the ceiling on the other side, but we could see them. They were quick. I pray, oh God, that whatever spirit, and this is April, before I started studying about Jezebel and whatever. Okay. Cynthia, April, May, June. Yeah. It's before the Jezebel study. So this is very interesting when it comes. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. God went to the front line. Before something happens in the physical, it has already happened in the spiritual. The battle is already happening. And so when God wants me to partner with him, after he has gone ahead of me. Okay. So I continued saying, I'm not going to pause now. Let me just read. I pray, oh God, that whatever spirit is hovering over my sibling so-and-so to stop now in Jesus' name. I command it to let go of them now in Jesus' name. I bind that Jezebel hovering spirit now in Jesus' name. You, Jezebel Hovering Spirit, I command you in Jesus' name to lose your claws, like the lion, to lose your claws off my sibling now. I command you in Jesus' name to lose your hold, your grip of my sibling now in Jesus' name. Lose them, <laughs> lose them now in Jesus' name. Come off them now. They don't belong to you. My sibling has been bought by a price, a costly price, the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over so-and-so in Jesus' name. Anoint them, Lord, with your oil. Pour it on them, O Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus the Son of God, the Savior of his people, the one and only truth. Jesus, save your, I've written, sibling, because Jesus calls us the children of God, you know, his friends. Jesus, save your sibling, so-and-so. Save your friend, so-and-so. Save your, your sibling, your child, 
so and so you have called them because I guess Jesus save your sibling save your friend save your child you have called them your friend you've called them your child you've called them your sibling um there's this part where I don't want to not what I don't want to I'm not going to read that so we break the chains off or you break the chains of um oh let me call it a strong man instead of mentioning what it is so we break the chains of the strong man off of so and so now in Jesus name break now break now in Jesus mighty name stress come off them now the spirit of stronghold that brings loss loose them now in Jesus name I'm trying to not mention the gender you unclean spirit loose them now in Jesus name get your nasty claws off them leave them now and go into the abyss no longer are you going to hover over them no longer are you going to stunt their growth they are going to be healthy, responsible. They're going to be a healthy, responsible child, sibling, spouse, and parent in Jesus' name. They will be great stewards of wealth in Jesus' name. We speak of every generational bondage that's hovering over them, binding them like a slave to the fear of rejection and the fear of fitting in and the lack of self-esteem in the mighty name of Jesus I command those spirits to come off them now in Jesus name it's so quiet and I don't want to be hard <laughs> okay okay so quiet um, I believe even me reading this has power so I'm not going to keep quiet. Okay, let me continue reading. It's just that it has become so quiet. <sighs> Come up and out in Jesus' name. Go into the abyss. Your assignment is over. Never come back. The gates are closed. You're not welcome. <clears throat> Lord, free your child. You know the plans you have for them. Plans to prosper them and not to harm them. Plans for a future. And then I quoted Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I continued. You are their hope. You are their victory. I pray, Lord, that they hear your voice and cry to you. May they seek you, Lord. You've promised that when they seek you, they will find you. I bind the stronghold in Jesus' name. I'm listing several strongholds. So when I say strongholds, they're different strongholds. I bind the stronghold in Jesus' name. The spirit that lies to them, that there is comfort in that activity. I bind it in Jesus' name. I lose your comfort over them, your guardian angels to protect them and fight for them. 
Take away those around them that are not for them. Separate them. Make it so clear to them that they are not for them. They don't want that those who are around him who are not for for so and so don't want the best for for so and so father love on your child and free them from bondage may they know deep down and intellectually that you are their parent who has always been there and will never fail them and never leave them that spirit of rejection and abandonment that spirit of rejection and abandonment is off them in Jesus name come off them now in Jesus name and then i wrote down oh this is okay this is a verse now o lord our god who brought our people out of egypt this is daniel's prayer now o lord our god who brought your people out of egypt with a mighty hand and who made yourself a name that endures to this day we have sinned we have done wrong o lord in keeping with all your righteous acts turn away your anger and your wrath from jerusalem your city your holy hill our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us <clears throat> then daniel prays now our god hear the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake o lord look with favor on your desolate sanctuary give ear o lord and hear open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name we do not make request of you because we are righteous but because of your great mercy o lord listen o lord forgive o lord hear and act for your sake o my god do not delay where have i read do not delay psalms do not delay because your city and your people bear your name and then i wrote down my prayer <coughs> my prayer to god um using daniel's prayer as as a template i said now oh god hear the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake oh god look with favor on your desolate sanctuary your child so and so give ear oh god and hear open your eyes and see that the desolation of li- open your eyes and see the desolation of the life of so and so who bears your name I do not make request of you because I am righteous but because of your great mercy the righteousness I am covered with is your son's Jesus's righteousness O Lord listen O Lord forgive O Lord hear and act for your sake O my God do not delay because your child and his offspring bear your name Hear and act, O Lord. Free your child, so and so, from bondage. Free them from from the stronghold. Free them from the spirits of abandonment, of rebellion, of rejection, of fear, of shame, of Jezebel, of pride, of Leviathan, 
of gluttony, of confusion, of loss, of grief, of blindness, of lies, of failure, generational bondage, unforgiveness, low self-esteem, infirmity, freedom, claim freedom in Jesus' mighty name. So-and-so will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He will find, uh, now I believe I, I was prophesying to the future, so-and-so will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They will find a spouse of God, a godly spouse, um, and bear fruitfully godly children. The devil will not steal their future. Their future is in God's hands, their creator. So that's the dream. The reason why I'm reading that is because it has come to mind when I keep on reading, God goes before. The one who goes ahead is the one who can warn those who are behind. So because God has gone ahead, even ahead of those who are fighting, ahead of the Philistines, ahead, like he's, he, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the future. He has gone that ahead, that wave, that, like, I'm in Ambali, Sanaivo. It's not just like he has gone ahead of me right now and he's like two steps ahead of me. But he is the God who is in the past, the present, and the future at the same time. I serve a God who is always at the front line. And so he can direct me on how to fight this battle. And I think prayer is key. Because constantly God wakes me. It's similar to what I've just read. To pray. To pray. And sometimes, I don't, I, I think that's enough said today. Like, I have not been experiencing God this way before 2020. I had not been, I had not known that there's this, like I can know God in this way. Like he can speak to me and wake me up, literally wake me up from sleep and give me information. I did not know. That's why I believe Paul tells us we started with as children eating the food for children. But now let me Google that one. That will be how I will end this. Um, you spoke like a child. Bible verse. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I grew up childish ways. This is the part where he also says like, you ate, the child is the one who eats milk, right? As a meal. But now you're a grown adult. You need to eat meat. You need to eat solid food. So I think it's, 
We are told that eternal life is knowing God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. We know God through the Holy Spirit, through our master, through the teacher. He reveals to us the depths of God. He speaks. I serve a God that speaks. I don't serve a mute God. I don't serve a rock. I don't pray to idols. I pray to a living God. The true living God. That's why I'm amazed when I read these stories about Samson, not Samsung, about Samson, and see like, it's like how 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 David was prophesying and say, I wish there came a time where I would always live in your temple. There's this part where David is prophesying and say, those who will, there are people who will experience that. And there's like, oh, how about am I going to Google? Um, David praying in the Psalms. The Psalms of David. Let me start like that. The Psalms of David. Rejoicing about living in God's temple. Is there something like that? Psalms 84 verse 1 to 10. I long to be in the Lord's temple. With my whole being, I sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrows have built a nest. Build a nest. That's something. Building a nest. (sighs) Even the sparrows have built a nest. The swallows have their own home. They kept their young near your altars. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, how happy are those who live in your temple always singing praises to you. That's, I think this is it. Psalms 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy steadfast love, according to thy abundant mercy. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is another part. Psalms 51, verse 1, where David, it's like David is seeing what Christ came to fulfill, that there will come a time where Our sins will be blotted completely. Completely. And we will be able to live in the Lord's house. We are the body of Christ. We are members of his body. His body is the temple. We are. This is why I'm saying it's amazing and fascinating. Because I think, is it Jesus who said like the prophets? All the prophets were looking to this day. They were looking forward to the day of Christ. Christ's Christ's coming. Christ's revelation. Christ's manifestation on earth. That's why the entire... I read these narratives and I'm like, yo, I'm just seeing Jesus. I'm seeing Jesus. This is pointing to Jesus. It's because God spoke the same message. The same message he started and told Eve. You will bear an offspring. And that offspring is the one that's going to crush the lion. Crush the snake. And then Jesus comes and tells his disciples. I am that offspring. And I've given you keys and authority to crush the snake. 
And the disciples go and come back and they're like, yo, even the demons, the snakes, they obey us in your name. When you're casting them out, they obey. It amazes me that I'm living in the garden. I'm experiencing God like that. God can speak to me. And I can hear him and know that it's him. And again, when I say God goes to the front, he's always at the front line. And he's guiding me on on, on what to do. Even with these situations where God wakes me up to pray. (sighs) The things that have unfolded later on. That God was telling me to pray for. Pray over. It's insane. Meaning God's word will never return to him void. It always comes to pass. So even when I start experiencing things in my reality... That don't look like the victory God promises. I have hope. That my God. I serve a king. Who's already at the front line. Who has has already done what is needed. And prepared a way for me. To win the fight. (sighs) That's why God keeps on telling us constantly. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous because I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I have overcome death. I think with young women, and I'm getting emotional, so I feel like I'm not, I can't even speak. So I think let me end this right now. I thought this was going to be like a 30, 20, 30 minutes, something. Just sounded to be maybe three hours long, maybe. So, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for always speaking. Thank you, God, for always going ahead of us, going in front of us. Thank you for always leading us, going to the front line. You're a good God. You care enough to warn. You care enough to guide. You care enough to include us in your process of redemption. I'm praying for my nation, Kenya. I pray, oh Lord, that every strong man, every stronghold of the spiritual powers and rulers of authorities every stronghold that has gripped my country I pray Lord that you lose them free my country from the grip of the fruits the rotten fruits of the serpent the rotten fruits of the prostitute Babylon 
give us eyes to see those who are for you and those who are not for you, those who are against you. Give us ears to hear. When you speak to us and when you guide us, give us discernment in every corner of this country. We are praying for discernment on who we choose to listen to. Not everyone who has a voice deserves a platform. Not everyone who wears an armor deserves to lead. You choose the leaders. You're the one who lifts people up. You're the ones who takes them down of the thrones. You've already gone ahead of us. You know the reason why. Whoever it is that is leading in any capacity in schools, in hospitals, in businesses, in homes, in government. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know what they do behind closed doors. And your judgment has already come upon them. To either reward them or to bring justice to those whom they are enslaving. So thank you, Jesus, holy speaking. I bring for freedom for my family and every stronghold that has taken hold. Of my family. You've given us as power to bind and to loose. We bind every strong man that has taken up space in our house. We cast him out in Jesus' name. We cast them out in Jesus' name. And we Loose your spirit to fill us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, wisdom, knowledge. May you fill every corner of this house. Do not delay. It's in Jesus' name I pray, trusting and believing. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Hopefully you'll be joining me every Tuesday for new episodes of the Trying Podcast. Stay safe, guys. Bye. Bye.